0: Welcome Auburn
1: into the Monday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger ninety five point nine, the Tiger and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, I'm the host of this show. Today I've got Brant Dantry and got Tom Peavy on the show with me. As uh, we're excited about another week of Sports Call, we are rested up after SEC Media Days two thousand twenty three and. Proud to have another week of the show planned for you. Our guy, T.P. Hammock, running the board and taking your phone calls this afternoon as well. Today on the show, we've, of course, got birthdays and sports. As always, Nightly TV Guide, a what-to-watch, or excuse me, a best and worst of the weekend from this past weekend in the sports world. Today, we're kicking off kind of preseason content. We are kicking off this week, we are going to be Uh, Starting with SEC win totals, uh, as we go through the next five days, we'll have SEC win totals today, we'll have win totals for the Pac-12 tomorrow, the Big Ten Wednesday, the Big 12 Thursday, and the ACC Friday. So we are starting our preseason mode, kind of analyzing how everyone is going through uh, this off season now getting into the preseason, as I think SEC media days clearly uh, has things changed over from off season to preseason. So we'll look at those win totals, give you some of the odds on that. We'll pick some of our favorite uh, overs and unders there for the SEC today. That will be coming up a little bit later in the show again Ryan Tom and Brant with you here on this Monday afternoon and again our guy TP Hammock running the board taking your phone calls at 334-887-341 locally well, or no toll free one eight nine tiger 9 Tom Thank hope you. you had a great weekend sir how are you doing this afternoon
2: hi I'm doing great um trying you know trying to get back into the uh, you know I guess you could call it the real world we, we spent that whole week in Nashville uh, i get back and immediately have to kind of go back into my other work mode and so it's I, you know i'm used to it now i've done it now for so many years but it's still those first few days where you've been up there on a whole different schedule a whole different town a whole different things to see different things to do and now it's all done and it's kind of back to that real world of things that you have to try to do so uh that's been my weekend and uh in the sports world yeah you know a lot of stuff going on we had the uh, the open championship that uh was kind of a runaway win there uh, for that guy. Braves still, you know, playing some great baseball. Austin Riley just raking right now. They did lose that one to the Brewers, but they won the series, so uh, good for them on that. Trying to keep track of Auburn stuff. There's a big recruit that's supposed to be making a commitment on Wednesday. That uh, uh, I think he's a kid that's committed to Georgia yes, right so now. Demarcus Reddick. Yep. Demar- okay, yeah. Demarcus Reddick. But there's a lot of chatter that he may be flipping, so we'll see what happens there. But that's. That's been the talk. And, oh, uh, yeah, just everybody kind of getting squared away and ready to start really uh, hammering into the upcoming college football season.
1: Brant Daughtry also on the show. Brant, I'm glad that you got to sleep in your own bed this past weekend. How are you doing, my friend?
3: I'm doing great, man. And like you said, it was a, something of a blessing to be able to sleep in my own bed. But, uh yeah, I had a great time in Nashville last week. But like Tom said, we're, we're getting back to the real world. And,. We always talk about how SEC Media Day is kind of officially starts the countdown to football season, and that's kind of what we're in right now. We've got, I think, 40-something days left. We're, we're entering the low 40s and days left until football kicks off uh, at, all, at all levels. So uh, we're getting geared up for that. And uh, today we're going to talk about gambling a little bit, which is always a good time, something I'm very bad at, uh, but something I enjoy talking about. So uh, excited for this today.
1: Yeah, again, we um, we're going to obviously focus on the – the football side of things, just with how, uh, how, 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 I mean, what the win total is going to end up being. But we will give uh, some of the uh, the prices on that sort of thing too. We know we have a lot of people that that still do that and that do that sort of thing. So we'll hit on that a little bit later in the show. Yeah, Tom, uh, just or uh, uh, guys just mentioned that uh, Demarcus Riddick. Uh, the linebacker that is committed to Georgia, I think he commits Wednesday. So that's something to keep an eye on. <laughs> like okay,
2: he commits – he's committed to Georgia, but he's going to commit Wednesday. Right. They say <laughs> for like,
1: good, do uh, you believe it or not, I don't know. Uh, uh, but, yeah, it, but These
2: days you just don't know.
1: They say his firm final commitment is on yeah. Wednesday. Of course, that's ahead of Big Cat Weekend.
2: Uh, with that's, that's like people that come into the bar and say, I want one more beer. Right. And then five minutes later, like I, I want one more beer. So yeah, it's, so it's, like, it's, sign me up for another one. One more last beer, and so in this one, this is one more last commitment. And again,
1: again, Tom, Maybe. this would be this would be a big time one. This is yeah, this, this is huge. A, we've talked about the wide receivers a lot, but on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know if Auburn's been targeting any some, uh, someone to this degree that they've been targeting right. Riddick here recently.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, no, they have not. Or um, well, not targeting in this type of situation where there's a real possibility that Auburn could get a flip from him. Uh, there's been guys, I guess you could say, there's just been guys out there kind of floating around in the ether that has been mentioned. But uh, this is the first that I could think of on the defensive side that is like, hey, there is actually a real chance this might happen. So we'll see. But, I, I mean, even then, you're still looking at more time until signing day. If he does flip away from Georgia to Auburn – you know Kirby Smart's probably not going to stop. I mean, they're going to keep on recruiting. Alabama's in the picture. If he flips to Auburn, Nick Saban's going to be after him. Uh, if he flips to Alabama, Hugh Freeze and staff are still going to be after him. So, I you know, I don't know. Until that name is signed on the dotted line officially, then, I you know, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. But it is big time that Auburn's in the mix for this guy uh, at least. And, you know, a lot of strong talk that a, a flip could be possible there.
1: Yeah, that commitment is going to be coming Wednesday again, uh, four months out, out ish from actual na- national signing, day, which of course is in December now. Yes, that, that they still terminology wise say early signing period. That is the signing period now. Only about five to ten percent of players wait till the the February day now. So look, that can still. Uh, I hate to use the the like the high school. Well, if she, she or he cheated on you or cheated on them, they might cheat on you too, or that sort of thing. Uh, but that is kind of how it feels at times where there is a the word commitment is used, but it is not uh, truly that deep. It's not that detailed and uh, it, it is not not that binding. So that is going to be something to look out for on Wednesday. I also want to talk a little bit uh, early here. Again, we just went through media days there in Nashville. Had a great time. Again, uh, Tom. I guess this is the first time you've been on since we were yeah. at Nashville. Again, just summarize. What was it? The was it your favorite media days from a from a logistical standpoint, or just where where did Nashville rank compared to some of these other cities?
2: Oh man. Um, I, honestly, I, I I think I really liked it the last time we were in atlanta uh at the college football hall of fame that i really liked that setup um and i guess also for just selfish reasons it's a much easier drive to get to and back home from atlanta <laughs> and so um that drive back is you know well two was not so bad coming back it's like you're tired riding through a big storm all you know just but logistics, town-wise, I, I would say that's about even. Now they, I, to me, they're all better than Birmingham. I'm not taking any away, thing, anything away from Hoover and Birmingham. It's that's where it's always been. You're very comfortable there. But when you start thinking about stretching out and expanding and going to different towns and everything, I really think Nashville and Atlanta, to me, were about the same. The only you now, if you're a party type, then obviously Nashville is much better than Atlanta. So I at least had noted
1: partiers we have. Exactly. (laughs) Well, well that
2: speak for yourself. I did go out one night in Nashville to experience Broadway and the midtown area. Um, Atlanta doesn't have that, but the food, the food situation, same. You got great barbecue in Atlanta, great barbecue in Nashville. Atlanta has a Hattie B's hot chicken. Nashville is the original Hattie B's hot chicken. So I got hot chicken in both places, got barbecue in both places. Um, it functions pretty much the same They function about the same. I guess there's just more of the nightlife thing in Nashville. Uh, I met a I met a young lady that had made her debut at the grand Ole Opry that night. You're not going to get that in Atlanta. Last time I checked, they don't do their grand Ole Opry after parties in Atlanta, Georgia when they debut. So, you know, I got to meet a young lady that had just debuted at the Opry. That was pretty cool. You know, probably an up and coming famous country music artist. So, um, there's pros and cons to both. Now, as far as just the setup for media days, I, I kind of lean towards Atlanta just because you're in the College Football Hall of Fame. It, the second go around, the first go around in Atlanta was awful. That, that was terrible. I, w- I wouldn't rank that. That was that was bad. The last time we were in Atlanta last year, though. I like the setup. Um, everything was right there in one room. I mean, you've got the College Football Hall of Fame things that you can go. You're not just in a hotel ballroom or whatever they had us in, a lobby or whatever. So, pros and cons to both. Uh, there was nothing about it I didn't like. Yeah. If that makes it easier to answer.
1: Yeah, you know, it was really uh, ran well. And it gave me more confidence that as the league jumps through to different cities, that our side of things is going to be. Pretty good. You know, for the fan element, there's always just kind of a, hey, meet them at the beginning of the escalator or meeting them at the front right. door, quick autograph here and there. There they go for the day, pretty much. And so it's not like the most robust fan experience really anywhere. Uh, and, and so they were going to have a, uh, a concert on tuesday night that was going to incorporate fans and media and that sort of thing and then that's when it rained for approximately four hours and tried to blow the the doors open on the on the place (laughs) uh beside us but uh it gave me more confidence as we go around they kind of know what works and know what doesn't and the lack of access a few years ago where radio row was disjointed from the main media area and some of those areas uh was was not the best logistically so uh, I thought it was a great experience in Nashville. I know that uh, we talked a little bit about it uh, with Brant and Brooks and, and Cam at the uh, on the Friday show. But, yeah, I was, I was pleased with it. Just wanted to get your thoughts here real quick. Let's go ahead and go to our first time out of the show. When we come back, we're going to go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9.
0: To call into the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at thetiger.fm. I'm Trevon Reed,
4: former Auburn Tiger football player, and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoie, Brent Dontry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Going to get to the Auburn Make phone line in just a second. There's a couple quick things to hit on a little bit later in the show. Braves made a couple moves for relief yeah. pitchers earlier today. We will hit on that at some point. Not guys with just this wide array of – Great success. In There's major no, league baseball. no
2: Shohei Otani in there. Right. Well,
1: yeah, and <laughs> and no Craig Kimbrel or anything like that on the relief side of things. But we'll tell you about those two additions in a little bit. Also, at some point, maybe this is best and worst. I don't even know how much money Kylian Mbappe is going to make from Saudi <laughs> Arabian team in soccer. Did you see that figure? I, I did not. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you the figure just so you can sue on it for the next hour or two. So wait,
2: so now this is a guy that's playing, he's going to play soccer in Saudi Arabia. Yes,
1: Saudi okay. Arabian League. He Currently is, in France. He is right. one of the top three to five players yeah. in the sport, but yeah. he's much younger. He's of, I don't know soccer. Sure, and yeah. he's much younger than the other top guys. All yeah, the other right. top guys are 30 year or This guy's still right. early you, mid-20s. You said his okay? name,
2: and I just thought you had some frog in your throat.
1: Right. Yeah, something like that. Uh, killing Mbappe, he's okay. from France. He was on the World Cup winner from five years ago. And in the final against Messi, and uh, in the final (laughs) against Messi, I'm just
5: I'm just trying to. No, no, no. Uh, He
1: was in the World Cup final this year with France against Argentina, which was one of the best in in the world. world. Yes, Yes. exactly. And like 24, I think, is how old he is for one year in the Saudi Arabian League. He will make 776 million dollars in one year. (laughs) Uh, So uh,
3: it is pretty pretty much uh, with with the caveat. That he will be able to leave after the first year if he wants to. That's part right. of the contract. He wants to go to Real Madrid in Spain. So yeah. he's just going to go play
2: his- make make nearly eight hundred million dollars yeah. and then
1: bail. Yeah, I will. Wow. I will have something a little bit later that's- for us. Uh, how how many other incredible sports salaries there is, and how he, he just dwarfs all of them makes them all look like chunks change so we'll we'll go through that a little bit later it's insane so a couple of random sports topics too mixed in uh, and of course we'll have sec win totals a bit later but let's go to the auburn bank phone line for the first time today 334-887-3401 locally or toll free 1-888-9-TIGER9 first up today james from montgomery james is with us james how are you doing this afternoon
4: i'm good and war eagle war eagle yeah i know that we're so far away from uh, kick off on college football and I've been uh, trying to see how Auburn is actually going to do good this year.
1: Yeah, I think we're all trying to figure out uh, what they're going to do this year. That's why we're going to do the the over-under win totals and that sort of thing in a little bit, certainly hoping for as many wins as possible, but just a lot of unknowns in year number one.
4: Yes, that's well because I was just looking at our 2023 schedule and I was just picking, uh, I was just like randomly picking like what games we're going to win. And I think for the first, uh, like the first three, the first two games uh, that we're going to win, uh, the first three games that we're going to win, we're going to win at home against UMass. Then we go to California. That's going to be another win. And then we play at home against Sanford. So that's three wins right there off the bat to start the 2023 season. So we're 3-0. and right now as well, just starting those three games as well. So I think those three games would be all wins as well.
1: Yeah, I I, I certainly agree with you. I, I, I'm i 100% confident they're going to meet UMass and Sanford. There's a little tinge of doubt with California. I think Auburn will clearly be the better team. I think that more, at least nine out of ten times they win that game. Uh, but, you know, just the first Power Five team uh, under Hugh Freeze and with a, a completely – revitalized roster. So I, I wouldn't shock me if maybe they don't play the cleanest game or have turnovers, just maybe don't function on, on all cylinders. But even that I still think would be enough to beat Cal. Cal's been one of the worst Power 5 teams the last few years. So uh, I do like Auburn win that game, and, and I agree with you. I think they will, uh, will start 3-0 coming into a big stretch of SEC play right after that.
4: Yes, that's well. And then we play Texas A&M, so I know that's going to be our next game after – uh, Sanford. So I'm thinking Texas A&M is, is going to be a kind of, uh, it, it's going to be like a hard, uh, win for us because I think we're playing that game on the road in Cal Field. So I think that's going to be, uh, I think that's going to test, uh, Peyton Thornton's, uh, po- uh, quarterback, uh, abilities as well. Cause I think when we play in Cal Field, I think we might as well put, uh, Robbie Ashford on the, on the, um, on the shelf and put him in bubble wrap and then start uh, Peyton Thornton for the for for the remaining of the regular season as well.
1: Yeah, so I, I think that they will start Thorne uh, from the from the beginning of the year and I think that they will try to have a package or two for Robbie Astrid throughout. I think that it's very possible they they try to implement something where he was such a good runner last year whether it was designed or well honestly i thought he was a better design runner than he was kind of a, a escape and then run he was able to buy time when he was a, a planned pass play but then he would usually have they end up throwing it away or, or chucking something down the field i feel like he was though a really good design runner so i think we'll see some robbie ashford throughout the year even in big games too but no doubt that that at Texas A&M game will be a a truly fascinating game and that's why I want to see Auburn play really well at Cal. I know that Cal is not going to have half the environment that Texas A&M will, but at least it's a cross-country trip against a Power 5 team. If Auburn can click on all cylinders, that will certainly increase my confidence level for going into College Station and got to also remember for a long period of time, first six or seven years that Auburn and A&M played each other in the SEC, the road team kept winning so Auburn was able to go to to Kyle Field and win multiple times over the first few times they went over there to, to College Station. So Auburn has been able to, to, to play pretty well there, but still it's 100,000 fans. A&M needs a big year. That's going to be a very fascinating game early in the schedule.
4: Yes, as well, because I'm actually looking like at the middle part schedule when we play October uh, and November. Um, probably like closer to the November schedule. uh to the back half of that of our schedule, when we play against Georgia, uh, Old Miss, Mississippi State, and Alabama, I think those will be a huge, huge opportunity to actually see Auburn actually progress in those co- in that column and to actually get those four wins. To, I mean, those last wins as well before we meet up with our arch rivals, Alabama. And I think if we play at home, it's going to be a really tough environment for Alabama to actually come to Jordan Hare Stadium because it's going to be loud and rocking that night. And that, that is going to have a huge impact on their new quarterback for Alabama as well.
1: Yeah, I also do want to remind you, James, that Georgia remembers in the first half of the schedule now. That's no longer the 10th or 11th game of the year. That is now the 5th game of the year, so that's played right after that Texas A&M game. So that that stretch of games against Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU, then Ole Miss, that's a huge four-game stretch where, quite frankly, I think those are four of the five toughest games in Auburn's schedule lined up in a row there. So uh, that is going to be a very interesting part of the schedule for Auburn, and again, Georgia being such a, a different place than be used to be, you know, that's going to be a very tough measuring stick game uh, in the first half of the year.
4: Yeah, because when we play Georgia in, I think we play them at home. I'm not quite sure. i got to look at the schedule. So, play them at home. I know it's going to be a a um, it's going to be like an easier task for Auburn to actually uh, take take on the National Championship uh, Bulldogs and seeing if we can knock them off. Because I know they're going to be like the first uh I, I think when the when the get when the uh rankings come out, I think Georgia will be like ranked number one as well. So they'll be like the first ranking when the when the actual rankings come out as well.
1: Yeah, that that's probably exactly right. I, I think that they're coming off two straight national titles gonna be ranked number one in the preseason I would be surprised if it's anything to the contrary and there'll be nothing easy about that game even in Jordan-Hare Stadium Uh, I think Georgia's going to be very very big challenge for Auburn again again of course you'd rather it be in Auburn than in Athens because Auburn's had absolutely no success the last decade or so in Athens but uh, even even uh, longer back than that but uh, I think that still Georgia's Clearly in a tier above Auburn for right now, what they've been accomplishing, and Auburn struggling the last couple of years. So again, it will be a measuring stick game, and obviously Auburn. There's going to be a lot of passion on the line, but uh, Auburn's going to do well just to, to hang in there for four quarters and try to build off of that.
4: Yes, that's all. Well. And then I'm going to be looking at some of the ACC teams and uh, seeing like what their media day is actually going to be. Uh, you know, discussing with some of the. With some of their teams in the in the ACC like uh, Miami, uh, Florida State, uh, Boston College, and many other uh, ACC teams as well, and if there if any of those teams might make it to the to the ACC uh, championship game this year. So I, I don't know what what teams in that in that bracket might make it to uh, the ACC uh, ter- uh, championship game whenever that comes about as soon as uh, time was that
1: Do you think Clemson's going to have a good year this year?
4: Um, That could be a really hard idea for Clemson because I know with uh, 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 C.J. Uyongalale, I think he's a really good quarterback for Clemson, so I think Clemson might make it to the ACC championship this year if he stays healthy this year as well.
1: Uh, and, and, you know, he was uh, obviously their quarterback the last couple of years. But actually, uh, James, he is not going to be their quarterback this year. He uh, was, was going to transfer, and then uh, he got drafted uh, by the Major League Baseball draft. So I, I know he's he's definitely not going back to, to Clemson this year. They're going to start uh, Cade Klubnick this year and uh, have some other guys behind him if Klubnick doesn't play well. but uh, yeah, So he's moved on, but Cade Klubnick will be the quarterback uh, for Dabo Sweeney and Clemson this year.
4: Yeah, so I'm gonna actually see how um how their new quarterback do for uh for Clemson this year and I think that Clemson might make it to an ACC uh championship game, but who would Clemson play? I think in my in my honor I will probably say that Clemson and Boston College would play in in the A C C uh championship game as well. So that that would be a really good uh matchup between those two good uh, program school
1: so they will play each other uh this year uh and uh you know the good news is last year or the years prior that that would not have been able to happen uh in the acc title game because they were both in the atlantic division but now the acc is going to a new model where uh everyone uh plays or is everyone's kind of in one group there's no divisions and uh, and actually because of that Clemson does not play Boston College I'm now double checking that so uh, we'll see Boston College would be a big underdog I, I don't know if they're ready to take that kind of step I still think I like someone like Florida State or or Miami or even North Carolina with Drake right May but uh, I, I think that uh, it is going to be interesting to see a new ACC that now has uh, no divisions and uh, anybody can play anybody in the in the title game
4: Yes, I all because I was looking at uh, some highlights from uh the spring game from Miami and I know one of the one of their games that they play on their schedule is um uh, Bethune Cookman which is that's gonna be a hard that's gonna be a hard team for Miami to actually play against an HBCU school like Bethune Cookman because I think with that school they have a great um uh, high honor to actually beat Miami as well and I think, um, I, I'd probably say that Bethune-Cookman would uh, make a lot of points against Miami as well.
1: That would be something else uh, if that were to occur. I, I have to go with Miami in that one. Miami has uh, usually had good success whenever they've uh, played a team kind of like Bethune-Cookman. But uh, yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't really see Bethune winning that game, but uh, I'm sure they will be very excited to play that game. and. Again, that will be right after the Texas a and game for Miami. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for us today, James, before we have to let you go?
4: Um, I don't have anything uh, on the NFL news or Major League Baseball or um, basketball for men's or women's basketball. But I'll have all that coverage for you all on tomorrow. So um, just War Eagle as
1: well. War Eagle, James. We appreciate the phone call as always. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to go to our next timeout of the show. Back with more Sports Call right after this.
0: Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334 887 3401. I am Tire Man! Kevin Knox Tower of the 585. Action 77 on Fog James Dive. Best tire prices for you and me 756 847.
3: Let the ASE certified technicians at Kenny Knox Tire Center handle all your tire auto repair and maintenance needs. Located just off I-85, exit 77, Valley, Alabama
6: whether it's enjoying a night in with good friends and close family or having some fun in the great outdoors. Don't forget to grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola from one of your 17 local TK's convenience stores. Every sip of an ice-cold, refreshing Coke helps make whatever you are doing memorable. With a variety of options to choose from, TK's has a Coke for every occasion. So don't forget to stop by any one of your local 17 TK stores today and pick up
0: an ice-cold Coca-Cola. What's all the commotion?
2: Check it out. Everyone is lining up to get into Veggies to Go. I guess they can't wait to sink their teeth into some baked chicken, fried chicken, collard greens, squash casserole, fried okra, mac and cheese, and delicious homemade desserts. Everyone
1: knows that when you're craving home cooking, Veggies to Go is the only place to go.
3: That's Veggies to Go on South College and Auburn. Also offering delicious homemade options for takeout or catering. Just call 821-1660. Veggies to Go. Eat healthy. Live longer.
0: I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and All-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call. Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoie, Tom Peavy, Brent Dontry with you here on this Monday afternoon. Guys, I'm just really excited because as we started to plan out how we were going to go about this next month of Sports Call, just various sport, uh, just various football topics, uh, just various preseason. Where well, I mean, we're going to have this broken down every way it can be broken down because we're going through kind of the the betting element to it a little bit this week. We're going to go team by team in the conference uh, starting next week. We won't do Missouri and Vandy on separate days; they will be combined in one day. Sorry to those two teams. Uh, I just understand that doing more than 15 to 20 minutes on Vanderbilt is going to have people irked and
2: it would irk me too so yep. <laughs> so well, it's, uh, here's here's the thing football season coming up that I'm getting excited about yeah we're going to break all this down but the nerdy side of me I love all the uniform reveals the classic uniform mm. reveals in the NFL because uh, the Texans are the Texans goodness the Titans have unveiled that they will be the Houston Oilers the Tennessee Oilers whichever you can think of but Going back to the light blue.
3: Those throwbacks. The, they look the th- really good. The, uh, the really New York, good.
2: The, the New York Jets announced their throwback to where they're t- putting the white mask on with the Jets logo from the 80s. Tampa Bay's already announced that they're doing the cream sickles. Uh, Atlanta, is, as they've done uh, the past couple times, they will have a red, their red throwback helmet mm-hmm. um, uniform. Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks yeah. doing their classic back 1980s. Their so uh, they, that – that, see that's the type of stuff that gets me excited for some football season. It's like heck yeah, man, we're gonna bring back some of these classic looks. I'm 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 all for it. Yeah, and then there's the numbers game.
1: Well, right. The, then there's actual they were going <laughs> and to then do there's actually in those games. games and right. actually play in them that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, just really excited for the next month. Of the show as we uh, really get into. Uh, football season. We will still have some some other fun segments of the show and that sort of thing, but we really are starting to deep dive into this preseason and have another guest of the program on Wednesday, too, that's going to help us deep dive uh, into this college football season. All right, before we go any further today, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. <laughs>
0: It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, we'll start off with Kevin Butler, who turned
1: 61 today, former NFL kicker. Butler was born in Savannah, Georgia, and played football and soccer in high school living in Stone Mountain, Georgia. At Redan High School in Stone Mountain. Go Raiders. Redan Raiders. As a senior, he kicked a game-winning field goal in the state championship. Vince Dooley was in attendance for that game and offered Butler a scholarship to Georgia. And Butler began at UGA the next year. The Bulldogs. At UGA, he was four-time All-SEC selection, two-time All-American, two-time SEC champion with the Bulldogs, and set several school and NCAA records. In 2001, he became the first kicker to be named to the College Football Hall of Fame. He was a fourth-round selection of the Chicago Bears in 1985 and spent 10 of his 12 pro seasons in Chicago. He was two-time All-Pro, one-time NFL scoring leader, and one-time Super Bowl champion Kevin Butler turned 61 today.
2: I watched Kevin Butler kick a 60 yard field goal in 1984 to beat Clemson in Sanford Stadium. True story.
1: Pretty long. Pretty long kick. So it's, it's, so it's a, a
2: lot school, of field goal. School, school record at the time. One of, one of the more famous plays in Georgia history. One of the more famous calls in Larry Munson's uh, radio history. But I was there. I, I saw Kevin Butler kick a 60 yard field goal in 1984. Very nice. I'm aging myself. A <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, you're not 61, though, today. No, That is Kevin Butler. Carl Malone turned 60. Malone was born in Louisiana and led his high school to three straight state championships from 1979 to 1981.
2: That would be the Summerfield High School uh, Rebels. Rebels. Summerfield, okay. Louisiana. Get those a decent amount. Played college basketball at Louisiana Tech.
1: Go Bulldogs. Where he was a three, also get those a decent amount. Where he was a three-time All-Southland Selection, one-time Southland Conference Player of the Year, led La Tech to its first-ever NCAA Tournament appearance in 1985, making it to Sweet 16. His number 32 is retired by La Tech. After college, he was drafted 13th overall by the Jazz, where he spent 18 of his 19 NBA season, 14-time All-Star, Fourteen-time All NBA selection, two-time MVP. His number thirty-two is retired by the Jazz. One of the great power forwards of all time, Carmel, Carl Malone, turned sixty today.
2: Wait, you know, remember we had the La Tech thing, and uh, I was a female athlete, and uh, Brooks said, "Go Bulldogs or go Dogs or something." I was like, "Ah, they go by Lady Dogs." Right, and uh, apparently the men's basketball team are the Duncan Dogs. Well,
1: they go by—they go
2: by, they by awesome. something more intricate than <laughs> even
3: the Lady. Dog, I thought.
2: Bull, I mean, they're Bulldogs, but I, I saw it referred to as the Dunkin' Dogs. Uh, Dunkin'
3: th- Dogs is awesome. I love that.
1: Uh, the Dunkin' Dogs should get a uh, sponsorship or NIL with Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Hmm. Just a thought. Just a thought. Barry Bonds turns 59 today, former MLB outfielder. Bonds was born in California, was a star in football, basketball, and baseball in high school.
2: At Genaro Serra High School in San Mateo, California. Go Padres! Go Pods! Yeah. And he was... I'm- who also went to... Famous NFL player that
1: went to that school. I don't know off the top of my head. Tom Brady. I did not know that. There you go. Uh, so, was it Lady Tech? are uh, the lady textures, textures. That's what it was texters. the lady textures uh, is what the law tech was. Thank yeah. you, TP, for shouting that out. But uh, Bonds uh, played college baseball at Arizona State, Go where, Sun Devils, where he was an All American in 1985. Drafted sixth overall by the Pirates in that draft, making his debut a year later. Played 22 seasons in the majors, seven with the Pirates, 15 with the Giants, 14 time All Star. Eight-time Silver Slugger, tw- uh, seven-time NL MVP. His number twenty-five is retired by the Giants, and he holds the MLB records for career homers with seven sixty-two, single-season homers with seventy-three, career walks with two thousand five hundred and fifty-eight walks, including walking two hundred and thirty-two
2: times in one season. Just incredible stuff. He was uh, apparently he was such a jerk at Arizona State that he got suspended for missing curfew, and the team voted to not bring him back on the team. Whoa. I did not know that. Even though he was the best he, player, he was such a jerk that they, the teammates didn't want him back on.
1: Well, he huh. I mean, I could certainly kind of well. see that. Uh, he did, however, have a, a wonderful uh, career, and I think he sure. went okay. And then he also had a wonderful time uh, with needles. Anyway, Montrevious <laughs> Adams turns 28 today. A defensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, formerly of the Auburn Tigers. War damn eagle. Adams was born in Vienna, Georgia, and played at Dooley County High School. Go Bobcats. Go Bobcats. Man, we had a bunch of normal names today. We did. A well, Padres of, for a high pod, school is yeah. kind of odd. Yeah. That's different. It is ironic, too, that he was a pod and ended up playing the pods and yeah. destroying their hopes and dreams yeah. for what, 13 years as a giant, something like that? Anyway, Montrevious uh, Adams was a five-star recruit, played college football at Auburn in 2013. Or again. Uh, in 2016, he was All-SEC selection, one-time SEC champion, selected in the fourth round of the 2017 NFL Draft by Bill Bailey's Green Bay Packers, and currently plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Montrevious Adams is 28 today.
3: I, I played with a guy in high school who transferred to Perry from Dooley County High School, and he was, I think... Either a freshman or a sophomore, Montrevious Adams, senior year, and he told us <laughs> stories of Goodness. play of like practicing against Montrevious and and the things he would do in games and just it, Montrevious Adams is a celebrity in in Vienna, Georgia.
1: It's weird. Love it. Those are on the birthdays in sports today. Kevin Butler, sixty-one. Carl Malone, sixty. Barry Bonds, fifty-nine. Montrevious Adams, twenty-eight. Shout out to Carl. Haven't thought about yeah. Carl
2: in a long time. Hope he's there's another well. big time celebrity from down there, the Vienna, Georgia, Unadilla, Georgia area, mm-hmm. right now. If you're into the barbecue world, Myron Mixon is like one of the most famous barbecue guys uh, in the world right now, and he's from Unadilla, Georgia. His Did. whole thing is down there in nice. Unadilla.
1: Did not know that Myron always, Mixon always down for some good barbecue. Uh, let's continue on here in hour number one. We'll keep it right here and uh, let's go to the Ombre Make phone line for the first time today three three four eight eight seven thirty four or second time today thirty four zero one locally or toll free one from eight nine. Tiger, and I don't know, I'm a little scatterbrained. I'm a little ex- Just all the move this weekend that I had and <laughs> getting back in the flow of things. And I'm, I don't know. I got rusty in a matter of two days. Anyway, back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up. Wardam Steve. Retire Wardam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing this afternoon?
7: Uh, welcome home. Good to hear you guys all back together again.
1: Yes, sir. Glad so to be back.
7: a phone call, and I'm glad uh, that uh, everybody got sleep in their own bed. Uh, apparently you got better sleep.
1: I believe so. I believe so
7: about uh this uh french you know french uh Canadian, uh soccer player getting that money you know uh, i I'm almost at a lost for, for words except for holy crap
1: yeah i mean it's it's uh it's an unbelievable number
7: and he gets that no matter what
1: yeah I think there's some sort of clauses in there um may, uh, a few clauses in there but i mean yeah for for the most part as long as he's playing.
7: Okay, well, some countries have way too much money, I think.
1: Yeah, they're certainly investing a, a ton of money into sports. That's what we talked about with golf is that they want to, the, the Saudi Arabian investors, they want to pour into multiple sports, not just golf.
7: Yeah, well, in the words of some of the uh, PGA uh, golfers, uh, apparently they're trying to whitewash some, some of their, uh, I guess, uh, political uh, and uh, human rights uh, activities in the past, but uh, we'll see. All right. Guys, speaking of money, this came from Bleacher Report. Uh, running backs are apparently uh, getting uh, to the point where they're feeling they have to take some drastic measures to get, I guess, some fair or some respect uh, from the NFL. This comes from uh, Joseph Zucker, and uh, it's entitled, Running backs discuss exaggerating injuries as a contract ploy during uh, a, a Zoom meeting. Did you read about that?
1: Uh, not not too much. I, di- I didn't get a chance to read that. I saw the uh, the headline, though.
7: Yeah. Well, according to this podcast, it's, uh, they were quoted uh, saying that you need to try to create as much leverage as you possibly can. Uh, and uh, they said maybe uh, not doing whatever it takes to get yourself uh, from an injury uh, to be uh, ready to play again or healed up. And <laughs> the response is, hold on. He says, you can't blame he says, running backs for thinking outside the box. However, uh, there's some uh, cautionary uh, caveats to this kind of approach because, first, uh, apparently the, the reason for this, uh, apparently the, the running backs getting paid a lot less than they used to uh, is because there's a lot of, as uh, it says on the report, of running backs uh, coming into the NFL who can re- replace the, uh, the the running backs they well uh, have longevity uh, maybe because of their age, uh, but they said you know, the the supply and demand is not in their favor, and I didn't know this guy uh, about the uh, the disparity, but uh, franchise tags uh, running backs is quite low. The quarterback <clears throat> franchise tag in 2015 was 18.5 million. Now it's 32.4 million. Right. Wide receivers in 2015, their franchise tag was 12.8 million. Now 19.7. The running backs' uh, franchise tag in 2015 was 10.9. Now it's gone down to 10.1. So they're not in high demand, guys. Right?
1: Yeah, and I mean, we were actually kind of out in front of this. We did a, a whole topic on this in the show a few weeks ago. Spent about an hour on it about the the differences in uh, how important it is in the game in the pros versus the college game. Also, when's the last time that running backs truly had a huge impact on winning teams? And the answer has been so, quite some time. Uh, they they age out quicker because of the hits that they take. And, I mean, it, it is uh, – obviously they have a right to, to feel like there's a problem there. But also, like, I feel like NFL teams are, are getting this right. Like, I think they're being proven right when you look at the running backs that are – actually on these rosters. And the last time there was a Super Bowl MVP running back, it was Terrell Davis. You think about some of the top running backs in the league, the last 10, 15, 20 years, they never played in a Super Bowl other than someone like maybe Sean Alexander. I mean, like this, it is a, the these teams have realized that the running back is just not as valuable, even as maybe an elite wide receiver, and certainly not even close to that of a quarterback. So, I mean, like, these things, they can be jarring if you're not kind of aware of them, but, like, they make sense once you start to add everything up.
7: Yeah, and, you know, I thought about, and then this, uh, one of the writers here, by the name of Aaron Schatz, S C H E T Z, he said the problem is not that running backs don't have value. He says the problem, according to him, is that there are too many talented ones uh, coming into the NFL, you know, from college. Um, And then I think about, you know, the people that, you know, if you told me, Who's Earl Campbell played with? Houston Astros. Uh, who did Jim Brown play with? Chicago Bears. Okay, you go on and on. These people, they—I I don't know what they were paid, but they stayed with their teams. Not anymore.
1: Well, Walter and Payton was a Bear. I think you think Jim Brown with right. the Browns. Yeah,
7: you're right. Jim Brown was the Browns. Walter Payton. Thanks for correcting me. Yeah. but you, know, you knew these guys, and they weren't going anywhere, and nobody's going to replace them. Now they're They're definitely replaceable.
1: Is that right? I mean, I think that, too, some of it is the aging process. And, again, these hits accrue on these guys. Like, I think that someone – if we look at other position groups, usually it takes a year or two for you to be top five or ten at your position in the league. takes a couple of years. Like, even a really good rookie quarterback, they're not going to waltz in and be like, yeah, this guy's already like the fourth best quarterback in the league. Like, everyone – love someone like Herbert or, or how quickly Mahomes was, was good, but it still took a couple of years to get that respect. If, if, if for example, Bijan John Robinson this year for Atlanta, it could take seven or eight games, and then people could already be saying, yeah, he's a top five or six running back in the league because these guys, they, they fall out of their prime so quickly, and because these young guys, there's not a huge learning curve for running backs in the NFL. There's really not. Like, what are you going how to learn? How to get injured? how to take how to take more hits i mean like there's there's not as much to learn for a running back as opposed to tape hey, hit the hole hard and go get seven yards. Hit that hole hard, get five yards, and and so on and so forth. There's certain things you have to learn, sure, playbooks and that sort of thing, but there's not a whole lot – the experience that you gain does not outweigh the hits that you take. And so these young guys are able to, with less mileage on them, like a car, they're able to perform better earlier, whereas the guys have been in the league five or six years, they're kind of ticking time bombs for when they start to drop off a cliff.
7: Okay, fair enough. Yep, I hear you. All right, moving on around the world of sports, guys. Uh, from Leach Report again. I said, "Oh my gosh, I don't even follow this uh, sport. Formula One racing. Do you follow it, guys?" uh
1: Very lightly. I know some of the names, but I don't watch much of it.
7: Well, apparently it's over and done with. <laughs> it says we're with, uh, with twelve races. It says in Formula One's twenty-three race season, and one team has won every race. So they said. Uh, it's make a mockery of the 2023 season. They're called the Red Bull Racing Team. And they said right now, uh, since it's over and done with, you can only bet on second place now. How about that?
1: Wow. Yeah, no, I I knew there was some dominance going on, but I am surprised that it's uh, it's that to that degree.
7: And you know, the uh, Washington, former Washington Redskins uh, have been sold, right?
1: That is correct. Dan Snyder uh, has relinquished the team, yep.
7: The most ever... Paid for an NFL team, is what I read.
1: Yeah, these franchise valuations just keep going up. The sports world just keeps getting more and more valuable.
7: Okay, moving on, guys. Uh, our women's soccer team won 3-0 in Vietnam.
1: Yep, solid start. Not overwhelming, but solid start.
7: However, controversy. You know what I'm talking about,
2: right? Uh,
1: I actually do not. I was not able to well, watch the, the game.
2: Are you talking about the national anthem? Right. <clears throat> yeah, they, they were not didn't have their hand over their heart, weren't singing along, they kind of looked like they were not interested in being a part of the National Anthem.
7: Some did, some didn't. Right. Uh, but, you know, to me, that's what uh, the whole thing about uh, the flag is about, is freedom to disagree or or, or not uh, with you know your country's values and viewpoints. And they have a right to do that. But a lot of people have been outraged by it. Okay, moving on, speaking of outrage, uh, some reporter apparently – uh, contacted a number of former uh, notable Auburn football players, black, about uh, Tuberville's uh, comments about white supremacists and nationalists. None of them agreed to have any comments. I thought that was really an uh, uh, interesting uh, odd take that no one um, was willing to say anything either positive or negatively publicly uh, about uh, that. Uh, did you guys read about that?
1: I uh, honestly had not seen that to see if I've not been not been really following uh, the, the political world much.
7: Okay. You're open under, guys. <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I, I said I was really thought it was disingenuous uh, about uh, Mr. Curry uh, Smart. Now I'll call him something else. I won't do it on a radio show. Uh, saying that, you know, to a reporter who thought they, were, they had a cupcake schedule, he said, you come come play it. Well, apparently they uh, disagree with me. Do you know what uh, Georgia's uh, over and under is total by Vegas people?
1: It should be 11 and a half, I believe.
7: It is 11 and a half. What does that tell you?
1: Uh, it tells you that, A, yes, sure, their schedule is not as robust as it's been. also tells you they've been very good, and they've won two straight titles.
7: Well, it's, it's, it's apparently pretty easy to be very good when you have competitors who really can't compete with you. Uh, now, Alabama has come down a notch. There's a 10 and a half.
1: Sure. I think uh, quarterback situation there, and uh, they got a couple really tough ones, but I think more than anything, it's just wondering about their quarterback and replacing defense and that sort of thing.
7: All right. So if you want to go ahead and do the four team playoff based on Vegas Insiders, here are your four teams, guys.
1: All right, Steve, give them to us real quick. Yep.
7: Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and Ohio State.
1: That makes sense. I mean, that's basically what it's been (laughs) the last several years there.
7: the usual suspects. and yes, sir. Auburn is at six and a half. And apparently, there's a lot of other SEC teams that are at six and a half. There Colorado, are a lot. Kentucky. I wouldn't want to be Ford's team. They're at five and a half. Right. The woeful Vanderbilt is three and a half. Yep. Guys.
1: We will be going five through guys, them here in the second hour. I'll be yep. looking
7: forward to hearing. We'll talk more tomorrow. Until next time, y'all guys have a safe afternoon and a relaxing evening and we'll do this again tomorrow until
1: then war eagle guys war eagle steve appreciate that phone call that's retire ward am steve joining us on the auburn bank phone line we are out of time for hour number one more of your phone calls in hour number two including those stc win totals if you're listening to the monday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brent Dontry with you here on the sunny and hot Monday afternoon. Appreciate CP Hammock for running the board and taking your phone calls today. Coming up a little bit later, Our 2023 look at the SEC win totals. We're going to do a conference a day this week, only power five conferences. So uh, have that to look forward, give you a little bit of a betting side of the equation. Uh, as we infrequently do, but uh, I know a lot of people be excited to, especially since media days just went through, to start to, to look at some of the stuff more closely. 334-887-3401-LOCALLY or toll free one 1-888-9-TIGER-9, to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. Next up, Matt from Tallassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you doing this afternoon?
5: Good evening, Ryan, Tom, and Brent. It's your friend, Matt from Auburn.
1: How's it going, man?
5: What's up, guys? Not How's it much. going? Tom, you How's behaving it? today,
2: right? I I am t- today,
3: yes.
5: Okay. Hey, Brent, is that true? Uh, say it again. Is, is, is that true of what Tom's saying? He's behaving today?
3: Yeah, absolutely. He's been great.
5: Okay. Hey, I wanted to, like a. Uh, I wanted to. I heard that uh, Wardown Down Steve was top in the top four for the college playoffs, he said Georgia and Bama?
1: Yeah, that's what the uh the, the Vegas insiders had said. That he was just relaying well, what they had said.
5: I can tell you this. One thing is Boardown Steve, Bama's not gonna make it. I can tell you that. My four is Georgia. Um, I think Auburn might have a chance, it depends on the games. And I see uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Auburn, and it has to be one more SEC team, probably, or right, ACG, Clinton. Those are my those are my four right
1: there. Yeah, I think I think some of those are, are very possible. I, I absolutely do not see uh, Auburn making it this year and in, in year one under Freeze. They got a lot of work to do. Hopefully, that will be. Uh, something they can achieve in the future. But uh, I certainly think some of those others there are going to be the heavy favorites as they have been really for a long time now.
5: Yeah, like I said, I don't see see Bama going. Uh, I see Bama having probably three losses probably.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they they do have a couple really tough games, but again, they've not not had a season like that in quite some time, so uh, that would be a little bit of an upset. There's a, a
5: friend uh has a waffle house uh here on Opelika right by right, Cracker Barrel uh, on the Opelika exit. And he's saying that Opera and Father Girl twelve and two. And and like in the question before you say something, uh I wanna get your thoughts on that and then I got a question about a um uh, a defense a defense alignment. Uh, and but I want to talk about it first. Do you think Auburn can probably flip
1: him? Uh, he is a defensive lineman for 2025. and Do you think Auburn might can flip him? Yeah, other than Demarcus Riddick, the linebacker uh, for next year, I'm not exactly sure uh, which player being referred to there. I know you said the lineman, but uh, I know that they're working on the Riddick part of it, and he's going to be deciding on Wednesday and uh, he's it's between Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn. So I mean that that is going to either be Auburn or an arch rival of Auburn. So that is a uh, a, a big time uh, big time decision coming up on Wednesday.
5: Yeah, and the the games are like a was like friends talking about he plays he plays for Biela High School, and um, he thinks that the Auburn will go like twelve and two. But what do you guys think about that? And Auburn does lose twelve. I would go with twelve and two. I see Auburn losing to Georgia. And then probably I see probably, probably maybe losing to LSU power. That's only that's only two I see enough. And do you guys think that could happen? And do you think with the twelve and two record the Auburn still can make the SEC championship game?
1: Yeah, I mean, so obviously for the regular season, it'd have to be 10-2. and 12-2 uh, would be if they played an SEC title game and then played in their, their bowl game afterwards. I, I think that it's still very far-fetched for, for year one. I, I do think that they would lose uh, to Georgia and LSU, but then there's going to be a couple others in there like Alabama that they're going to be pretty significant underdogs to. It will certainly help to be at home, be at the end of the year, that type of thing, and it's always close when it is a home iron bowl, but that's still a a very difficult challenge. And there's some others that could trip them up too, the likes of someone like Ole Miss or or at Texas A and M. So I mean, there, there's really a lot of really good teams in this league. And if, if they found a way to go ten and two, I mean, they, everything would be it would be thrilling to to be that good that quick. But I just I'm not ex- not expecting it to that degree yet.
5: Well, well, Tom and Brent, the three losses I see for Bama. And I know this is going to make Bama fans upset. But here's the three losses I see Bama losing to. Okay, you guys ready? I Go see LSU, uh, Auburn, and uh, Texas A M, and probably and probably LSU. Uh,
3: you know, I could see all three of those happening. I think that Bama will probably beat Auburn, but it's in Auburn this year, and weird things happen in Jordan-Hare Stadium, so you can never count Auburn out of that one. Uh, LSU has to play them in Bryant-Denny, so that'll be tough, Uh, but LSU beat them last year, so they can certainly do it again. Um, The Texas A&M one, Texas A&M's a weird team. They could be really good or they could be really bad. We really don't know yet, so all all three of those losses are possible, but I would not put money on any of them.
5: Yeah, so... so I'm going to talk about something. uh, i got a question for Ryan. I'll start with you first. So for Texas A.M., who do you think would be calling the plays for Texas A.M.? Do you think it would be Jimbo Fisher or do you think it will let Robert Trino call
1: plays? Yeah, that's a great question. That's something that we speculate about uh, each and every day. I think it's going to be mainly Petrino. I'm sure Jimbo Fisher will have input. I'm sure there will be moments where he will call plays in certain situations, but I just can't fathom they brought in Bobby Petrino for him just to stand there on, on game days. Yeah. I, I think that you know, <laughs> he has obviously been an expert offensive guy for a long time, so I think Petrino will call the majority of the plays. Well,
5: my like my dad like uh, you guys. My dad was telling someone this that people the reason why that uh, I think Jimbo Fisher hired Bobby Petrino is. Probably my dad thinks that probably Bobby Petrino might get another teenager again, motorcycle, and drive her off, probably. But, uh, and so, so, what do you guys think about that? You didn't doubt it error ever happen or
1: not? I think if Petrino made the same mistake twice, that would be, uh, unbelievably foolish. And that that's still, I know that people can be dumb out there for sure, but that's still not going to be my. Uh, my projected first thought when when I think about what will end you, up happening.
5: This question is for uh, Tom. Hey, Tom, did you hear what Dan Mullen said about C-3s, uh, about some trick trick plays or something like that? What do you think about that?
2: I, <clears throat> I, I did not hear what Dan Mullen said about that. Um, that. What did he say? Can you refresh my memory?
5: Uh, I know uh, Ryan or Brent, did you guys hear what Dan Mullen said?
3: I have not he seen said? it.
5: He says like he thinks that he freeze can turn things around and have some like tricks up he did his uh like and stuff on the playbook like he did at like, Ole Miss and that yeah. and he because he freeze that he has been saving before he wants to be saving it again.
2: Yeah, well, he, so I I can say this as far as like tricks up his sleeve as far as play calling goes. Sometimes when you have a roster that you're trying to build and, you, and you're trying to do things, then you you are going to throw some tricks out there just because you may not be as good as the other team, just physical-wise, talent-wise, and so therefore you've got to try to do something to trick them. And so, yeah, it would not surprise me at all.
5: But well, do do like, for all three of you guys, and then I'll probably do the chair because I've got I to cut the grass, but this question to you guys, do you guys think a huge freeze, can probably beat the the new coach at Mississippi State. Do you think that Hughes-Freeze can beat the coach at Cal? And do you guys think that Hughes-Freeze can beat Glenn Kiffin and Nick Taylor again?
1: Yeah, so uh, the, the first couple names, absolutely. I think Auburn will be a little bit better than Mississippi State this year. That's, in general, the case. And being at home this year, I, I really like Auburn's chances of, of that one. I certainly love their chances at California. California's been a pretty bad program for a while now. And uh, I, I think that even though it is a cross-country trip, it is certainly abnormal, for Auburn to go play out there. I mean, Cal the last several years uh, has just not had had much luck, at least uh, since 2019. The last three or four years has been rough for him. So I, I think that uh, Auburn will get those done. The Lane Kiffin, that's always going to be a storyline to follow while freeze at Auburn. Kiffin continues to be at Ole Miss. And then Nick Saban, obviously, with that Iron Bowl. That's something that Hugh Freeze did do a couple times at Ole Miss, was beat Nick Saban. So it's it's certainly been doable for Hugh Freeze. But, again, year one, you just we got to figure out where things are at first. And I, it would be a big ask in, in year number do, one. Do you, do
5: you guys think that uh, Hugh Freeze can beat uh, Brian Kelly at LSU?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that he can get there. I don't know if it happens year one. And yeah. I think these big coaches, think the idea is that Hugh Freeze can eventually beat them and again did it against Saban, but still got a whole new team, whole new players, got to rebuild the program. So that those kind of things yeah. can take time.
5: Well, you th- we, well we still got to play South Carolina too. And then we got to play New Mexico State. And um, what do you guys think about – do you think that we can probably beat – South Carolina, and then be. I know we'll be. Um, I know that we'll be. Uh, what do you guys think about the South Carolina game and the New uh, Mexico State game?
1: Yeah, Auburn does not play South Carolina this year. They they play Vanderbilt this year. That's the okay. other.
5: Yeah, what do you guys think about the Vanderbilt game and the uh, New Mexico
1: State game? Yeah, I mean, again, they, those both have to be wins. If Auburn's going to have any sort of a decent season, they cannot lose to a team like New Mexico State under really any circumstance. Then as far as Vandy's concerned, like I know Vandy's trying, but at the end of the day, there's there's just a big gap there. Auburn Auburn can't be losing. I know Auburn has lost to Vanderbilt before. I understand that, that has happened, but uh, yeah. if Auburn wants to have any any sort of decent year, they can't be losing do, to Vandy. Do you think
5: probably the next. Couple years that Auburn probably will play Colorado
1: sometime. Yeah, you know that would be a fascinating non-conference matchup. You know they've scheduled out a lot of their non-conference games for the next several years, but it might have to be more of a bowl game. But it would be interesting.
5: Yeah, I heard Dion was in 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 the hospital. He has he has had like some block blood clots and and so so and. and so, hey, uh, I wonder know if you guys can um, pray for somebody. Um, I talked to, I mentioned this to you guys before. Uh, Cook Stewart, um, his, like uh, his son-in-law. They had to cut Cook Stewart's son-in-law's toes off, and um, I guess he had diabetes. But and like um, I, I heard you hear about that. But, um, but if you guys can pray for. Him, for Coach Stewart's son in law, uh, also for his Coach Stewart's son, Marcus, uh, I mean, Carlos is having a lot of trouble too and stuff. Like that, so. But uh, yeah, if uh, you guys can do that for me and, and stuff. So, so. But yeah, I'm hoping they have a better year this year. Uh, I hope that he's free, turn it around. And a couple of maybe years ago, maybe a couple of years, maybe they'll name the Cadillac the head coach, I hope. And um and so, so but uh I'm ready for I'm ready for football season. Uh I probably not gonna be able to watch the 1st game because game will be in Tattanooga for a game I'm playing and, and so, so but yeah, I just wanna so, so. Um have you guys heard from Sean?
1: Uh we have not. Uh we might soon though. We we shall see.
5: Hey, did James ever ask any questions about me about swimming or anything
1: like that? Uh, you know, we we forgot to kind of jog his memory on that one. We'll have to have to do that next time he calls.
5: <clears throat> yeah, if he if like if he if like uh, if he calls tomorrow, like I said, I will call you guys next Monday. And if he has any questions, I will probably I can answer them the best that I can.
1: We will do that. We will do that. All right, let's do the cheer, Matt, and we got to get you out okay. of here.
5: Five,
1: four. Three, two, one. whoa Eagle. Hey, beat Bama.
5: Thirteen to zero. Booyah. Booyah! Hey, if
1: you guys see JJ,
5: tell him I said hey and what's up. What's
1: up? Hey, how's your game going? Uh, not still still
2: haven't won yet. Still haven't won yet.
5: You guys have? his Tom, have you been getting any hits?
2: Uh, yeah, I have been. I, I didn't do so great the last time we played two weeks ago, but uh, I, I plan on improving that.
5: Who did you guys lose to?
1: All, all sorts of teams. Who did we not lose to? That, well, that's going to be the, the easier question to answer. But, uh, but hey,
5: you guys need to do better. You guys need to go to batting there's somewhere.
1: We need to. We're going to keep trying, though. We need trying. to get in the weight room.
5: Yeah, you guys need to go to the sports complex and work
1: out. There you go. Absolutely. All right, hey, Matt, go, guys. or Eagle. That is Matt for Talasey, Matt from Auburn, joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're gonna to go to our next call now, 887 one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up we got Sean on the Auburn Bank phone line. Sean, how are you doing today? It's been a while since we talked to you, Sean. How are you? Good.
5: I got diabetes.
1: Say that what say that again?
5: I got diabetes.
1: Oh, no, that's Sean, nice. I'm so sorry. That is awful, man. I, well, I, I lost
5: about 21 pounds.
1: Drop some weight there. All right, yeah, no, uh, I, I'm sorry you're having to go through that, man. That, that's uh, that's difficult. A lot of people are in that battle with you.
7: Oh, um, I heard Matt on the phone.
1: Yeah, Matt was on the phone. He, he was wondering if you were going to talk to us.
5: I didn't talk to you what? long, Sean.
1: I know, man. Uh, since uh, since you've been on, JJ, you know, left the program, but we'll certainly make sure that he knows that you called and you said what's up to him. And the Braves been winning a lot, so we can't really bl- uh, blame anything on JJ.
7: No,
5: on
1: you. Oh, we'll blame it on me now. All right, if they lose, that's my fault. That sounds good to me. Aye. All right. All right, Sean. We appreciate the phone call. Good to hear from you. That's Sean joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Really appreciate Sean for uh giving us call it been a while but uh sorry that he's dealing with diabetes hope he c- continues to fight that and uh we'd certainly be rooting for him we're going to take our first break of hour number two back with more sports call right after this <laughs>
0: Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Dauntree, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon, about halfway through the Monday edition of the show. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-341-LOCALLY or toll-free, eight nine tiger 9 Good to hear from Sean and Matt on the other side of that timeout. We're about to get into SEC win totals over and unders for 2023. Before we do that, however, I want to actually talk about something very briefly uh, that is also kind of betting-related, uh, and that is the uh, Auburn quarterback battle and Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne. Of course, we will not have the um, answer to the starting question until well into fall camp. And I'm bringing this up because there's new uh, betting lines via BetOnline today that had Robbie Ashford as the favorite to be the starter, minus 140, Peyton Thorne, plus 100. I would take the Peyton Thorne bet, guys. I would, Uh, You would actually make a little money that way. And I think that what's interesting, and I don't know the inner workings of who handicaps what and that sort of thing where they hear from, we are planning to have a conversation a couple days with Phil Steele, and Phil Steele notably has Robbie Ashford starting at quarterback. Uh, this year for Auburn. Now, I don't know if this is some sort of, and we'll try to ask Phil, or we will ask Phil for sure, if it's more of we think that Auburn's going to be cute on snap one and have Robbie Astrid do something and then Peyton Thorne come in and we're going to count that. I don't know. I, I think surely that that they mean still who's just going to be the guy for Auburn. But if you believe they're going to play both, which I do, and others do, could you have that stupid – well, technically, he took the first snap he started when he's not actually the starter. But, I mean, realistically, are we are we downplaying the potential of Ashford starting too much on this show?
3: It's got to be something to do with the fact that Peyton Thorne did not have a good season last year. He, he was an objectively not great quarterback on that Michigan State team, and that's what, a big reason Michigan State had a bad season – but given what we saw from him two years ago and given what we saw from Robbie last year, if this is a team that wants to keep up in fights with good teams, I just don't think Robbie Ashford can do that. I think he can beat bad teams. I think he can keep up with mediocre teams. But if you want to actually compete, you need a better quarterback than what you have out of Robbie Ashford. Or maybe they're just thinking that Robbie Ashford made leaps and bounds as a passer this offseason. I, I don't think he has. I, I You know, I haven't seen him. I mean, but... I just think that's too much ground to make up, and I think that Peyton Thorne is the tr- more true quarterback, if we want to call it that. But I, yeah, I, I'm like you guys; I don't see Robbie Ashford being the guy this season. I'm I'm pretty much on board that Peyton Thorne's going to be the the main starter. So
2: the the thing is, I haven't seen anything, any kind of internet cheddar or anything that Robbie Ashford has been doing something fantastic. And, and you know, a lot of times you'll see videos of these guys like at a camp. Throwing and it's like, look at Robbie Ashford. Dude's actually spinning it right now. I haven't seen any of that, and I haven't heard really Hugh Freeze come out and say Robbie Ashford in the offseason has taken these massive strides and everything like that. I hear more about what Peyton Thorne has done, the fact that he, he is in here with the playbook, already knows a lot of the playbook, is watching film, has developed relationships with players. It just seems like all positive towards Peyton Thorne. That's why I believe he gets the job. The other thing is, do you really bring in a guy like from Michigan State to sit the bench? I mean, that's not typically what you do. I, think, I honestly think the only way he does not start uh, week one here at Auburn is if he if something happens a la Zach Calzada where he gets injured and he just can't play. I, I, I just think Peyton Thorne is the guy. And I agree, same thing you said. Robbie Ashford, is, he has shown that he can be an athletic guy, and that's great. But we even talked about it on SEC media days. There's only one pass that he made that was memorable his entire time playing, and that was the one in the Iron Bowl. I guess, was it Ryan McGee? said, if, we, if you could bottle up that one throw, then Ashford's great. But literally one throw out of all the ones that he attempted. I mean, many of the others were just complete overshots. I mean, just terrible. I, I, I just don't see that that's who Auburn is going to go back to. I don't see how they could possibly do that.
3: Yeah, you're thinking of examples, and you're right. That is the one that truly comes to mind. And I can think of in my head one specifically that stands out in a bad way. And there's a there was a swing pass to Jarquez Hunter in the Texas A&M yeah, game, threw it into the yeah, bench, where he he airmailed it by about five yards. And if it's on target, then Jarquez is running to this day. Yeah. Uh, and it's you know I I I like Robbie, and there's a place for him on a good football team. I'm just not sure it's starting quarterback. So. Let's
1: think about Hugh Freeze for a second because when Auburn started in 2013 with Malzahn, they had so much success with Nick Marshall in 13 and 14. I thought that going forward, this was just my opinion, that – Auburn and Gus Malzahn were going to be destined to use a bunch of athletic quarterbacks that would run read option because that offense had been so greatly perfected in 13 and 14 by Nick Marshall we saw over time that actually Gus Malzahn preferred the pocket guy or a guy that was going to be more of a pass-first guy. He went to that numerous times. He was reluctant. To be fair, they never really had the right type of guy. It's hard to find, granted, but they weren't trying to go out of their way to give Malik Willis opportunities. They didn't go out of their way to give John Franklin the third opportunities. He only got that opportunity when there was an injury at the quarterback position that mandated he start that Vanderbilt game, I believe, in 2016. And so it felt to me that the target was still clearly the we need more of a pocket guy with, okay, we'll take this running type of guy as one of the backups and see if we catch lightning in the bottle. I felt like he clearly wanted the more pocket guy. What does Hugh Freeze want? Does does he, like, if in his heart of hearts, if you could say I have a successful pocket guy or I have a successful dual threat type of guy does he want someone like robbie Ashford? like I, I know he can't play favorites again i'm not trying to box him him or us into uh, he's going to play favorite and want this guy but like would he want someone that has a skill set more like malik willis who he just worked with liberty or more like a Bo wallace who he worked originally with at Ole miss
3: you know i it's so weird. You talk about the Gus Melzon thing and how good he was with Nick Marshall. I think the reason that he felt the need to evolve away from that was twofold. One, people started to figure out the read option. Yes, it was still effective. You could not build an entire offense on it at, at, after a certain point. Uh, two, I feel like he understood the need to be able to do more than that. And this is another thing that bothers me as a fan. I feel like Nick Marshall gets reduced a lot. That guy was a really, really good quarterback and not just because he was fast. The guy could the guy was a really great passer of the football. Not quite an NFL level passer, but a guy who was really really good for the college game in addition to being the best athlete on the field every time he stepped on it. I think Hugh Freeze's offense built on RPOs the way it is, built on reads the way it is, after built on post snap reads the way it is. Uh I said that wrong. That's not what I meant to say. But I I think he wants more of the pocket guy who has the ability to run. I think you know Malik Willis, yes, he's an incredible athlete, but he also threw the ball around at Liberty. Um, And you look at his track record, you had Chad Kelly, you had Bo Wallace. Um, I think those were the only two guys he coached at Ole Miss that that made serious starts for him. Uh, But I think he wants to go to the passer. And the first quarterback he brought in, was Peyton Thorne's who is a guy who is athletic he can run but that's not really his forte. So I think he wants to be the passer. I think he wants to or he wants to have the passer. He wants to make the RPOs. He he wants the, the guy that will stand in the pocket and make the quick throws. That's kind of what Hugh Freeze likes to do.
1: I think when I I mean I do look at Marshall. I think he was underrated passer. I thought he was really good at one particular type of pass. I thought he was threw a great deep ball. I thought that – and look, maybe you can blame Malzon's scheme for this too. I thought that his intermediate throwing was left something to be desired from oh, an accuracy wise. I absolutely yeah. blame yeah. Gus Malzon's scheme for that. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought he was inaccurate uh, for the most part in, in close proximity stuff. He did have a can of an arm, which is hilarious because, again, he was originally a DB, but he could he could throw it millions of yards. But, but I think that uh, – Obviously, when you transition into it, and I think about the Hugh, I transitioned into the Hugh Freeze mindset. I think he kind of told us what he wanted, but I wanted to ask this question because, I mean, you have two stylistically polar opposite type of guys I mean I know that we talk about oh you know Peyton Thorne can move a little bit Peyton Thorne's still in the bottom third of athleticism in college football day maybe bottom fifth I mean it, it is just, he can move a little bit and he's his foot works good and he will have some 10 yard scrambles I'm not saying that's not going to happen maybe 15 yard scramble but comparatively to the college quarterback today he is absolutely on the slower side whereas Robbie Ashford is going to be one of the fastest three, four quarterbacks in the country. Uh, however, he is clearly not advanced as a passer. It is insanely low to be 49%, 50% as a passer, regardless of what's going on around you, albeit there were a lot of problems. But I think Hugh Freeze kind of – or at least I try to get this out of this. Maybe I'm pulling something where I shouldn't. Remember, when he got here – and was asked about recruiting quarterbacks, he said he does not take a quarterback that he does not put his eyes on. Now, look, there you can still say that maybe it's in generational athleticism or something that would be attracted to him, but he also said watch him throw the football. A quarterback that he sees puts his eyes on throw the football. So I take that to mean the passing is still going to be the number one thing, and to be fair to you, unless you're talking Army, Navy, Air Force, there's not going to be a lot of programs and be like we want the run first quarterback. Now there are going to be some programs that figure out how to work with it quite well, and Louisville certainly did that for a little while, even post Lamar Jackson, they were taking quarterbacks that that ran first. I think most people still want the throw aspect first, but in the college game, more than the pro game, you can just you can benefit. In more ways from a from an athletic quarterback, and you don't worry as much about the wear and tear in a twelve game season with younger players than you do in a seventeen game season with bigger bigger players. So again, there are some teams that will stylistically be good with the mobile quarterback more than the pocket quarterback. But I just it feels it feels relevant because we talk about the Malik Willis aspect of it, which Robbie Ashford is clearly more like that. Then, whereas Peyton Thorne is clearly more like a Wallace for Kelly, and again, like, like Thorne, you know, Wallace and Kelly had some run aspect to it, they weren't like, I'm just gonna stand here at all cost, <laughs> but they still were clearly, I'm gonna pass 90% of the time and run when I absolutely need to. And I think that is the, the style of quarterback Thorne is, and, and Hugh Freeze developed some successful offense, offenses with both, albeit Liberty at a smaller level. So I didn't know if he's predisposed to one or the other. If anything, I would have said predisposed to the Peyton Thorne side of things. But it's just, well, the recency bias say, well, maybe he's fresh off of Malik Willis and he wants to go jump right into the guy that was playing in the SEC last year that that reminds him of of Malik Willis who started at the SEC. So, uh, again, interesting thought there as we continue to think, hey, maybe both quarterbacks play and now we're getting these weird Vegas bets where – hey, after all, maybe this is not the foregone conclusion or close to the foregone conclusion we talk it up to be. i certainly spent a lot of time at BD Days framing questions with Peyton Thorne and and Thorne in mind, not with Robbie Asher, but we'll see as we get to fall camp uh, here in just another week or so. All right, we're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we're going to start our 2023 SEC win totals. We'll go through some of the – Bets we like, some that we don't. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break.
2: I'm Jeff Woodaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy, Grant Donfrey, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. And time to start. I say this is even, you know, the unofficial start to the college football season was last week with SEC Media Days in Nashville. And I'm going to say this is like our unofficial start, or maybe even official start of our preseason um breakdowns of everything going on in college football, The what's going to happen in 2023. This week we're starting with the conferences as a whole, the top five, power five conferences, and going through win totals here in 2023. All this is going to be courtesy of MGM. This was done about two weeks ago, so if you see something uh, new on a board somewhere or that sort of thing, uh, then we're going to have something a little bit – um, if you see something on there that's more recent again it's a little bit of time it's passed I get that lines can move and that sort of thing so this was about two weeks ago that pulled this from BetGM uh, and I think that uh, we're going to have a good time doing this I believe we just got another phone call though on the Auburn Bank phone line so we're going to go ahead and go to that then before uh, we start this, this segment because it could take some time, and I know we'll run up against the hour and that sort of thing. 334 887 34 1 Low Clear, toll free, one triple 9 Tiger 9. Next up on the show, Terry from Auburn. Terry is with us. Terry, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fantastic, guys. How y'all doing? Doing well. Doing great.
6: Great. The thing that I think, why well, aren't you guys talking about the 13th season? And the thing that never gets mentioned is how good that offensive line was. Sure. Uh, they, they were so good. Auburn was running the ball on third and seven and getting it. He had the second pick in the draft and in and Kozan, and, and Jay Price was just a flat-out road grader. Uh, I mean, I felt sorry for guys that got matched up against him at fullback. So I think mean, people misunderstand that a lot. I mean, it was the perfect line, and then Gus Miles on for some reason, none of us know the reason, but he just ignored the offensive line from there on out.
3: Yeah, finished in second for a lot of offensive linemen, and, and you're right. You had Greg Robinson. You talked about Alex Kozan. Reese Dismukes won the uh, the Remington Award that year, and mm-hmm. then Jay Prosh at that fullback spot. Yeah, absolutely incredible, and you know, and, and it really worked for that off for that offense as well. Those guys were athletic; they could move a little bit. A lot of you know the the Gus Melzon zone blocking scheme. It, it worked with those guys, and it was. You're absolutely right. That offensive line deserves a lot of credit yeah. for that 13 season.
2: The the one thing I the thing I want to chime in there is, uh-huh. uh, you're good. It it was not that Gus Malzahn just ignored offensive line after that. He kept trying to recruit offensive linemen, but he kept getting beat out on these offensive linemen. And one of the biggest things that happened was there was negative recruiting against uh, the system that he ran, both Georgia and Alabama and, and Clemson negative recruiting to some of these high school kids about you don't want to go play in that system because it's not going to prepare you for the league if you do get to the league then you're going to have to learn how to play all you know you're going to have to learn everything all over again and you saw that a lot with guys that went to the pros from auburn on the offensive side of things and they had to relearn nearly everything whereas you go to bama you go to georgia you go into the league you already know the terminologies you know the things and a lot of these guys started listening and they were not coming to auburn because they felt like that the system that he ran was not going to prepare them for the NFL.
6: I totally agree with what you're saying, and Tom, it's great points. But at the same time, he kept recruiting these stationary dropback passers with a terrible offensive line, which made no sense. At least, at least uh, get a quarterback who can make a play for you, because. Nick Marshall made Gus Malvin
2: like a genius at times, Yeah, well, and he wasn't. There, I, I'm, I am still convinced to this day, when it comes to the quarterback situation, I am convinced to this day that somebody, some higher-up somewhere, somebody convinced him that, that you to succeed you have to be able to have more of a quote-unquote pro-style type passing attack or more of a pro-style type quarterback that can throw the better and expand your route trees. Because, I mean, Nick Marshall – while he could throw the ball, the vast majority of what he threw were like 50-50 balls to guys. I mean, it was kind of run down the field and throw it up to a guy. Um, and and all of a sudden, he went away from those uh, read option quarterbacks like that. Uh, you know, he he went towards a Jarrett Stidham, a guy that they thought could be more of a passer instead of a runner. And it mm-hmm. just didn't work out in his favor at all when it came to that. I, I think – you know, either if it was his ju- if it was his call to do that, I think he vastly misjudged himself. And if it was somebody else that got in his ear and started pushing a certain way, then that's just bad all around for him and whoever else was pushing him that way.
6: That quarterbacks are basically running for their life. Yeah, so that's what
2: happened. But it, it, the offensive line was a thing, but it was also the wide receiver. The same reason that it was hard to get top-notch wide receivers here in that system because of the same thing is they were uh, being told that they were not going to be prepared for the NFL and the ones that did go to the league I mean there was many stories written about how they were not prepared when they got there and And, that's why you don't see a whole lot of offensive guys from Auburn in the NFL right now
6: and that's why I think the receivers are gonna eventually make the decision between the quarterbacks now I think it's gonna be Peyton Thorne hands down the guy was a captain of Michigan State my goodness Um they're going to say, hey, you know, um, he throws a prettier ball, a better ball. And they would have went out and recruited all these top-notch receivers or improved at the position, excuse me, uh, if that wasn't the case. It's going to be Peyton and torn, I have no doubt in my mind. And
1: then I would, uh, I would absolutely take that bet then. I mean, because, again, I, I'm surprised to see – I'd love to hear – a Vegas insider or something like that say why they they think Ashford is the favorite. I, I guess again we're we're hoping to talk to Phil still later this week who also thinks it's Ashford. I, I'm guessing just experience, but then what experience? Because obviously Hugh Freeze is new here too, so I, it's do- a different system. Go ahead.
6: They're doing their job. They're getting you to talk about it.
1: Right. Well, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Get, take some bets on it. Yep. Yeah.
6: I just I just like said uh, Ashford. I agree. With, I, I agree with what you said. Ashford can win you some mediocre games, but he's not going to win any big game for you. And and that's not to knock the kid. He may have improved, but I think Peyton – a kid don't come all the way from Michigan to Auburn to sit on the bench. Not going to happen.
1: I wouldn't think so. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it, Terry. That's Terry from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Good to hear from Terry. Again, a little spark of conversation there because of uh, the quarterback situation, which, again, I'm excited to see it all play out this fall and get the timelines I know – what was it, the 10-day plan that Hugh Free said was going to work in with three quarterbacks Then we would assume get cut down to two, assume Gurner didn't make the cut, and go from there. But again, assumptions sometimes can be faulty, and maybe I should just stop assuming things. Uh, all right, so again, a few minutes left of this hour. won't get to deep dive into it, but let's start to hit some of these 2023 SEC win totals. I'm going to go ahead and read them out. We're not going to discuss them at length right now. I want everybody to kind of pick two or three that they feel really good about taking the over, and two or three to feel really good about taking the under. So, again, so here here we go. Georgia's win total. Steve brought this up earlier is eleven and a half. Alabama's is ten and a half. LSU and Tennessee are nine and a half. You've got Texas A and M and Ole Miss at seven and a half. You've got Auburn at six and a half. Kentucky. Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi State, and South Carolina all at six and a half. That's six of the 14 teams in the league, six and a half. Florida is at five and a half. Vandy is at three. And a half. So, again, you see a lot of teams there occupying the middle space. When you add the six at six and a half, plus we'll throw in Florida at five and a half, and A and M and Ole Miss at seven and a half. You got nine of the fourteen teams in the league between five and a half and seven and a half wins on the win totals. Again, I know we can't get too deep into it. Into it there. Uh, but first, first blush, did anything stand out to you, positive or negative? Anything was
2: like, "Whoa, that's low," or "Whoa, that's high." I, I don't see any that are I don't see any on here that are just like, like "Whoa," there's just some I disagree with. Um, Auburn at six and a half, I I still believe. And then this also goes back to our quarterback conversation. Uh, i'll say this if robbie ashford is auburn's quarterback for the season then i think that six and a half is right i think peyton thorn is the type of guy that pushes auburn to an eight win season so under the assumption peyton Thorne is the quarterback at auburn this year i think that six and a half is under so i i'm i'm going over six and a half for auburn um florida at five and a half i think florida is going to be better than a five win team i i i I didn't realize that that many people were picking Florida that low. I, I just don't believe that they're only a five-and-a-half-win team. So that one kind of jumps out at me. Um, Kentucky at six-and-a-half, I I kind of like Kentucky a little better than six-and-a-half just because of the what they've been doing. I mean, I, I just feel like they're not going to compete for the East, but I, I think Kentucky's a team that's better than six-and-a-half. uh I'll go ahead and say it. I think Georgia is under eleven and a half. You think they lose a game? I think they lose a game. I don't think they I don't think they go three peat this year. I think the question there in the quarterback room is something that you really do have to look at. Now, they've got talent all over the field. I get it. But you know, who is going to be the quarterback have they announced exactly who their quarterback is going to be i mean they've got multiple I think guys beck to, geez, is from. supposed beck to be is supposed the guy. to be the guy but i mean he's unproven i mean sure. so you've got an unproven quarterback um it's just so hard to three peat and i you know the target on their back they've they've survived it uh for two years now but i i think somebody sneaks up and, and gets them. And i think maybe potentially two people sneak up and get them this year so i i'm going to say under for Georgia. Um, Tennessee at nine and a half. That one's tough.
3: Um, it's a, I, that's all quarterback. That's a quarterback question yeah, right there. Because if, it the, if really the quarterback is, is good... Joe, remind me of his Joe last. Milton. Joe Milton. Milton, thank you. If Joe Milton is as good as advertised in Tennessee, I can absolutely see winning Same. nine or ten games. But yeah. if he's not quite as good as – Then they're going to be below that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So it's, it's 100% a quarterback question at Tennessee. I, the Georgia argument is interesting to me because Georgia, yes, it is extremely hard to three-peat. It hasn't been done since – what in
2: Minnesota this, back yeah, in the – whenever the 30s, heck, the 30s
3: or so. So, yeah, incredibly difficult to do. As far as the SEC goes, their schedule is really easy. And I know Kirby Smart is is saying he's got a difficult schedule, and that's great. And uh, you know what what else is he going to say? He's he preached against complacency in his presser, and he's not going to then go and get the question about his cupcake schedule and go, "No, it's easy. We're going to walk." He's not going to do that. But I, as far as the SEC goes, I do think Georgia has a pretty easy schedule. Yes, quarterback is a question. Same story at Alabama. Um, can I go to something that no one's going to care about? but it kind of draws my eye. Vandy. Vandy at three and a half. I'm taking the over on that. I'll do, I'll I, yeah, the over, over on that. They won five games last year. They doubled their projected yeah. win total last year. They were supposed to have two and a half, ended up at five and seven. I think Vanderbilt makes a bowl game this year. I mean,
2: there were three writers that picked them to win the East at the SEC Media Days. <laughs>
3: right, right. Uh, we were not one of them. I'm, nah. I am I think Mississippi State is under six and a half, though. I, I think I, Mississippi, Mississippi State I, yeah, has a tough year.
1: Okay, there's a lot there. We'll break down a little oh, so. bit more into the whys. We'll get into a couple of those in particular yeah. coming up in hour number three. So kind of break some... down that Georgia one a little bit, yeah. I guess. Because yeah. I disagree. I think they're going undefeated this year. Really? Yep. What? I don't want it to happen. No. I, <laughs> I just think there's only two losable games on the schedule, and losable to me does not mean they're going to lose them. I have, To be fair, I have this practice with Alabama this year where you find two or three that they could family lose, and they usually lose one, don't lose any others. Georgia, though, able to uh, be undefeated last year the way they did it. We'll see. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about some of these other schools with their over and unders. Coming up, you're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Third and final hour of sports golf starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoie, Tom Peavy, Brant Donfrey with you here on this Monday afternoon. Appreciate TP Hammock for running the board, thanking your phone calls here on this Monday. Last week of interning for Mr. TP Hammock, but uh, good news is go ahead and give you a wink, wink, hint, hint. That it's not the last you'll hear from him. and He's going to be on the show on Wednesday, but even after that, that will not be the last you see or hear of him. Uh, going through the SEC win totals here in 2023 get, get, went ahead and gave you a little appetizer for what we're going to talk about here uh, as the guys gave a couple that, that stood out to them. Want to start with the Georgia one that Tom gave. He is saying under 11 and a half, pretty convincingly too, maybe even losing two. So I want to start uh, with, with Georgia. I still have them over. I think they're going undefeated. I only see two games for them as losable, and that is the uh, Ole Miss game early November, although it is at home, and at Tennessee the very next week. I think those are the two most losable games we've seen, though. Uh, Lane Kiffin still needing to win the big one at Ole Miss. Still kind of early in his tenure, but it's not been able to get Bama the last couple years. Gets crack at Georgia. And then that at-Tennessee game, obviously Georgia... Took the Tennessee game personally in Athens last year, made Tennessee look uh, very look as bad as they've looked under Hendon Hooker uh, and, and company, and, and really stymied them all all year. So I still think this is a, a perfect regular season. Now I think that they very well could end up losing a conference title game. I, I if you t- if you're telling me Georgia or the field for the national title this year, I am going to take the field. Because it is very hard to 3 But I think Georgia's getting there. I think they're at least getting to the conference title game intact. And then from that point forward, we will see. But I think that you look at a team like Kentucky, for example, could finish like third in the East. I mean, that that would not be unrealistic. Or even South Carolina. Talent-wise, Georgia's like two rings above them. Like, Georgia enters that game up 14 to 21 points just off talent. And I I think Kirby Smart knows what he's doing at the same time. Florida just has no teeth right now. They are a sleeping gator at the moment. And they are not aware of their Bulldog surroundings. And I think that maybe Billy Napier gets a go. And Florida's one of the more interesting, I think, win totals because they're the 13th out of 14 in the league when you talk about win totals of 5.5. But – Tom, give me, or in Brant, do you think they're over under before we get to Tom? Do you think are they're talking about Georgia 11.5? Yeah. Th-
3: yeah, I think they make it through the regular season okay. undefeated. I, yeah. I'm with you. I think there are some losable games on there, but I, I think as far as will they lose them, then no. All right, so Tom,
1: give us the argument because they did go 15 0 last year, went 14 1, so they did lose the year before they lost, uh, what was it, to Alabama in the title game. So they've technically gone two straight regular seasons undefeated. Right.
2: Uh well, mainly because I mean I, I'm looking at the schedule I I see some games I see as potential, um and so yeah I mean I'm really going out on a limb there saying, man well, golly I don't think it's an awful opinion I just want to hear well,
1: you I I want to hear the reasoning well,
2: it, so I mean I, all right I'm I'm backtracking but I'm not backtracking, um so eleven and a half. They're talking. That's is that talking just regular season? Yeah, no, it's just on
1: regular season. Yeah, just out of twelve. Basically, you're yeah. at. Does Georgia lose or do they not? That that is the question. Right. And Bam is usually at the eleven and a half. They're at ten and a half this year. We can discuss them in a minute. But
2: all right, so yeah, potentially at Tennessee yeah. on November eighteenth. Um, I think of,
1: that's the most obvious loser. Sure. Game. Yeah,
2: that, that that's the most obvious is at Tennessee. Uh, that game against Florida. I still think there's a potential. Anthony Richardson, uh, granted, he had a terrible game against Georgia last year, but I, you know, again, listed Florida at five-and-a-half right now. I think Florida's better than a five-and-a-half team. I think Anthony Richards, if he cannot have a bad game against Georgia like he did last year. I You mean when he's playing for the Colts this year or huh? he's drafted? Oh, by no, um, no, no, um, yeah, no, no. Uh, who am I thinking? Who is their quarterback right now? Uh, their quarterback
1: this year is going to be Graham Mertz, a transfer from Wisconsin, multi-year starter. Okay, I'm. T-
2: Florida doesn't have any teeth. Man. Why am I thinking that Anthony Richards was still at Florida? Um, maybe. I, okay. I think. Well, the Colts will play the Jaguars yeah. this year in Jacksonville. Maybe, okay, maybe that's why I'm he will play a game in that stadium. Uh, I guess do. I haven't. I guess I haven't studied my Florida Gators as much because I. I don't know. That's the only reason I was kind of pinning a little bit of better hopes on Florida. Is that for some reason I was thinking he was still there? Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Oops.
1: Um, it's okay. Hey, just for the record, we'll have us not at Kentucky. That's going to be Devin Leary. That might actually end up being a, an upgrade at the culture right. level.
2: Um, all right. Well, anyway, going back down through through this through this here schedule, sure. uh, the first game that pops out, September 6th against South Carolina. South Carolina listed at a six and a half. Uh, it's in Athens, but, you know, is, is South Carolina, is there a potential for an upset there with Spencer Rattler and all that? Uh, you yeah, know, yeah, I know. <laughs> Again, I I'm not. Maybe not, if
1: Georgia doesn't take them seriously.
2: Not saying it is going to happen. I'm just saying I don't think that's. I. It's not one that I'm just putting a W there. Just absolutely. I'm also looking at at Auburn. I still have high hopes for Auburn and maybe I'm looking through some margin blue glasses. I get it Georgia has absolutely dominated Auburn both uh in Jordan here and in Sanford Stadium. But maybe there's a little bit of magic somewhere uh in that game early in the season if Georgia's still trying to figure out a quarterback thing, if Beck is the guy, if he's maybe not as good, maybe Auburn's better than what people think they are. Uh you know Auburn has done some very magical things under first year head coaches, uh, aside from Brian Harson. Um, well, they took Bama to overtime. That was pretty magical, well, the, the, comparatively speaking. Very true. <laughs> very true. Uh, it didn't go well. Took Bama to overtime. So I, anytime anybody comes into Jordan Hare Stadium, that's a it leaves a question mark for you. I mean, it is a tough, tough place to play. Even though you have dominated that series, but there's so still so many unknowns about Auburn, yeah, just, and that's going to be early in the season. You know, will have people figured out Hugh Freeze and and that offense, and by right. that time, is Georgia the better team? Absolutely. I don't. I'm. I'm not convinced that I'm, that I'm ready to just write that one off. As that's the just not going to happen.
1: The only thing I'll use to defend you there, okay, because again, Auburn's record against Georgia is porous and it's it's bled into Jordan Hare. And right. 2021 was not a particularly close game in Jordan Hare either, at least 19, the last uh, the home loss before then was. Is there, in the same way, and look, how valid stuff that happened seven or eight years ago, that is for, I guess, us to debate. That's our job, part of it. But I, I, this is not my debating moment for that. I'm just telling you what has occurred. Okay, so Ole Miss beats Alabama twice with Nick Saban there, but also with Kirby Smart as the defense coordinator. 2016, Georgia's first year, first go of it. Okay, I'm not – again, take this what you will. This is uh, Hugh Freeze's last year at Ole Miss, the 5-7 and seven year. Ole Miss beat Georgia with Kirby Smart there 45-14 that year. Right. I don't know if that means that Hugh Freeze kind of understands a Kirby Smart defense. Because again, Smart was at Bama for two years there. I don't know. I'm not trying. I'm just. You might look at that and say that's a pile of poo poo. I don't care. That is seven or eight years ago. Georgia wasn't Georgia yet. That's fine. You know. I'm just. I'm just giving you. If you want to use that, you know, Ole Miss did handle Georgia easily, even though Georgia still had a better record in 2016 than even Ole Miss did. Ole Miss was starting to go through the the troublesome times. Um, but. I, look, I get the stadium is always going to be difficult. Auburn, it's even too – you might even talk me more into if it's the 10th game of the year, the 11th game of the year. The fifth game of the year, the second, like, real game that Auburn plays, I just yeah, – you know, I – yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Yeah. Nah. yeah. I mean, if they do, then Auburn will be on to something big. Sure. But I just I don't count that as losable Because if you start to make If you can make one thing Turn it into something losable Then I can just go off with anywhere And be like yeah What if Spencer Rattler gets red hot You know what What if What if Florida finally yards, had, had, touchdowns What if Spencer Florida's Rattler. had enough of it You know what if they And you just start getting into it You can go down the line with that And this and that And the other thing And I just think that Georgia The rest of their team Is so brilliant That yeah I don't know if their quarterbacks gonna be good and I don't know if Alabama's quarterback's is going to be good this year, but I trust the coaches and the rest of the team around them right. that – we still had debates all year what Stetson Bennett was. It didn't affect them. They no. the two the two biggest games they played, uh, Oregon quacked their way to three points, and the Horn Frogs leapt their way to what seven or ten or six or something like that. It, it was not impressive. Uh, they, they were daunting to play against, and even Tennessee game. You want to count that game was 27-13 with a late TD by Tennessee to get out of the single digits. So. Again, I know it's not the whole defense. It is six or seven returning stars from that defense. That's at least a fair amount. Uh, And Again, I'm taking the field, as I just said, for the title because it is so damn hard to three-peat. But – this is just not the slate that says they're tested week in, week out in the way that you could be in this league if you had had the right combo of teams. And again, not to George, no fault of Georgia's own. They had that uh, was it Oklahoma or Texas? It was Oklahoma. Oklahoma game canceled now to be fair. <laughs> Oklahoma had a bad year last year, but they were going to have the big marquee non-con game and then it got mm-hmm. taken away because of the the staffs of the league. So again, we will always mention that. But I don't know. I still prefer the over. It could be under though. I mean, I'm not right. I'm not like I, again, I was not trying I, I, to be like, oh, I, this is just unbelievable. Here.
2: But the, the, the betting man, the betting side of me would definitely say that Aub- or Auburn, that Georgia is going to be fine, that they're not. But I'm just saying I think there's a couple that I'm not just ready to just write it off as that's just a W and that's just I – th- I think that there is that potential of at Auburn that could sure. – Potentially, at Tennessee could be – the Florida thing, I, I'm I'm definitely backing off yeah. that now because I I see now I've I I've just completely misunderstood Florida because I was looking at this I was like five and a half and like why are they only picking Florida at five and a half? It's like what in the heck is going on? Oh yeah, Anthony Richardson. They weren't
1: great with Richardson, he's and he's gone. There. He's not yeah. there.
2: Um, so that makes sense now. Um, can I give you this real quickly? So because if you are
1: a better out there, um. You're wanting to know what you get for betting which side. That'd be fair. Someone's been screaming for the last 10 minutes, like, tell me what I get. What do I get if I bet 100? Well, here's what you get. You actually would would be favored, it it would be better for you to bet the over because it's plus 110 to bet the over. It's minus 130 to bet the under. So insinuating that more people are betting the under. But you bet 100, you get 110 if you bet over, and you have to bet 130 to get 100, you bet under. So I don't know. If that factors into your betting anywhere. So, let's move on because I, I know this is not. Um, so we
2: can beat that dead horse dead yeah, forever, right.
1: and I'm, we'll have other moments to talk about Georgia. Uh, other teams in tree. We've kind of talked about talked out why Florida is where Florida is. Okay, this mess of teams at six and a half: Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi State, South
3: Carolina. Any of those you like for the over? I kinda like South Carolina for the over. Okay. I, I, I think with Spencer Rattler coming back, I think Shane Beamer has that group believing for whatever that's worth. But I I mean, they were not bad last year, and they returned yeah. at least their most important player and Spencer Rattler. Uh I think South Carolina I mean, I'm not predicting them to win the East by any means, but seven and five, eight and four, sure. I could see that being on the table. I'd have to look at their schedule. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah I, I could definitely see them over six and a half so all right here's the schedule
2: well, oh go ahead go ahead
3: yeah, um I've got my team we'll talk about. so
1: they were eight and four in the regular season last year then they yeah. lost a, a really good game really one of the better bowl games bowl season to be Clemson
2: for the first time in 100 right. years
1: so here's here's how it lines up again they once we get into team by team breakdowns we'll really and put it all together they don't have a lot of returning players we talk about Rattler a lot but they only have 10 total between offensive and defensive starters uh when I look at teams going through the schedule and I'm trying to think of how many games what's floor, ceiling, all this. Here's how I break down schedules. Start with non-conference. Do you have any that you're just absolutely floored about? Like you're just the huge games no idea or maybe if you're a lesser team you're going to be in trouble. So I start with non-con. Then I go to what you got in the cross division. Okay? So what were you blessed or cursed with <laughs> from the from the draw of the other teams that you don't always rotate through and then you get through Your own division. South Carolina has a very real non conference schedule. They always have Clemson, but to add to it, they have a neutral North Carolina. They've had pretty good success against North Carolina. I think even when North Carolina has a better win-loss record, South Carolina usually beats them. That's happened a couple of times now. However, Drake May, North Carolina could be good this year in the ACC. They could be one of those candidates to make the ACC title game. They did last year. They were in the ACC title game last year. Uh, So that is a tough 50-50 game to take in a neutral. So, Let's say they got to lose one of the two between Carolina and Clemson, and they might even lose both. They'll beat the other two. No problems with Furman. Jacksonville State is FBS now, but not yet for them. Uh, Cross division. This is where it feels good for them. At A&M, which they always play A&M. They beat A&M last year. Uh, I believe beat them soundly if I want to. No, just beat them close. Close game, but beat them. And then Mississippi State at home. Mm. So I really like South Carolina in that game against Mississippi State. Although from Mississippi State's perspective, like, eh, could have been worse. We got South Carolina. They're middle of the, the east. We could have played Tennessee or Georgia. We'll, we'll live with that. Um, so I like that for them. And then you go, where are the road games? Okay, they're going to Georgia. I feel like they're losing that game anyway. That's fine to burn a road game on that, honestly. They're going to Tennessee. Okay, I still think Tennessee's better than them, even if Milton's just fine, if he's not spectacular. I'm fine burning a road game there. Then they're at Missouri. I kind of like South Carolina no matter where they play that game. Yeah, I do too. So I'm okay with that. And then they're at A&M, which I think that can be di- dictated by where it's at home. So that could be a tough one. But you go with four straight home games to the end of the year. Jacksonville stays. We talk about Vandy, Kentucky, then Clemson. You get Williams Bryce either hopping or depressed by the end of the year. Okay, <laughs> Very... very very much sandstorm or very, very little sandstorm by the end of the year. So I kind of <laughs> like <laughs> the over there, too, because I like the two. I like three non-con whims for them because I do think they'll still beat Carolina. Yes, I just called North Carolina Carolina. is a real Carolina. Everyone needs to figure that out. Anyway, um, <laughs> even if South Carolina beats them, still the real Carolina. It's North Carolina. Um, then you've got Mississippi State's the fourth win. I think they're gonna beat Florida at home. That's a nice game to have at home. That's five. I think they're gonna beat Missouri at six. I think they're winning about eight games this year. Yeah. Ultimately. I think they beat Vandy and Kentucky too. I think they lose to Clemson. I'll give them a loss to AM. That's fine for the sake of this argument. I'll give them a loss to Tennessee, Georgia. I think that's eight and four. And if they do lose North Carolina at seven and five, they're still over. So I think I agree with you they're over. Any six and fives. Starting with you, Tom. Any six and five or six point five, six and a half. I, I say English. You can't go six and five if you play twelve. Uh, six and a half for Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi State, South Carolina. Right. Any of those you like? As for sure, it's under.
2: Uh, under six yeah, and a half, like any,
1: Or if you want another um, over, let you in on that.
2: I, I could definitely see Missouri being under six and a half. and okay. um, a yeah. I, I don't think Missouri is going to be very good. I, I, I could potentially see Missouri as a 3- as like or 4-win type team. Um, you, you
1: notice how we're staying away from the Western Division. This is, this is just the right. East well, yeah. mortgage sport. We don't know what's going to happen to the West, but <laughs> we feel better about the East. So, want to go through the Missouri schedule real quick. Uh, non-conference, we start there. South Dakota dub, Middle Tennessee dub. Kansas State, probably lost for Missouri. They, it is when at home. Won the Big 12 last year. Uh, that's a tough one. And then uh, playing Memphis in St. Louis, why? I don't know. Ask them. They're playing Memphis away from Columbia. Playing them in St. Louis. Did, did that Mem- just register Mem- for you? Memphis in St. Louis. I guess it makes it closer. Missouri and yeah. West Tennessee are, are pretty I close. Huh. Um, so that one's kind of weird. Memphis has been down recently, though. feel okay about Missouri, we'll say three and
3: one in the non-conference. Okay? Mem- Memphis made a conference change this year. Aren't they in the AAC now? They've been in the AAC. They've been in the yep. AAC. Okay, never mind. That's UAB that's made the... There you go. Change. Okay. <laughs> I, I knew there was some um, shuffle in yeah, there. Yeah, oh,
1: there's some shuffling. All right. Um, West teams. Missouri okay. has the opportunity to lose to LSU at home. I mean, they play LSU at home. No, they're <laughs> going to lose LSU at home. Their other West game is always Arkansas. They play that ar- at Arkansas. I don't. That's one of those where I wish it was at Missouri. If you're talking about Missouri's point of view, it, It's a rivalry. Uh, it's a rivalry, and unfortunately it's on the road from Missouri. So I still only feel good about three wins. Then I go through the East. Okay, well, they're at Vandy. Uh, they, they, in theory, should be better than Vandy. That's uh, going to be the lowest-watched conference game of the yep, year. Yep, no one's going to watch that, and that's okay. They're at Kentucky, which I don't love that for them either because that's one that if you were at Missouri, I'd feel that's doable. Hosting South Carolina, okay, maybe you put them on upset alert. I don't like them playing at Georgia. Playing host to Tennessee doesn't feel like upset alert for me. Hosting Florida feels like upset alert for Florida, if that's even an upset, I don't know. Uh, But still, I've been struggling here. Like, like even Vandy, I'm not, like, 100% convinced they're winning. And there's plenty of losses for me on there. I don't think Missouri's getting it either. I agree with you guys. I think they're going to be under six and a half. We're going to take our first time out here in hour number three. When we come back, we'll hit on a couple more SEC win totals, and then we will transition into best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 tiger 9
1: Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LeBoy, Brent Dontree, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. All right, let's go through a couple more win totals before we get to best and worst of the weekend. Let's try and target a couple Western Division teams. I, do you want to plant your flag on A&M as today the day? They're at 7.5, yeah, which is like the perfect number because most A&M teams that are not abject failures go 8-4. and
3: four. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am because I'm of this opinion that AM is going to explode one way or the other this year. I think right. they're a team that's going to win either no fewer than nine games or no more than five. <laughs> I, I have no idea where they're going to fall. I, I don't think there's any way that they're a 7-5 and five team or an 8-4 and four team. I don't think there's any way they have an average year. The marriage of Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino is so intriguing to me. And I, I was listening to a podcast the other day. I didn't think about this, but it's worth bringing up. Bobby Petrino, probably 60 to 70% of his play calls are one of three concepts. Either floods, levels, or inside zone. Those are the three things he calls over half the time. 60 to 70% depending on the game. All he, his big thing is timing, right? When he calls those particular plays. Jimbo Fisher has a playbook the size of a phone book. He's got the most complex playbook in all of college football, and you're going to hand the play-calling duties over to this guy who is not known for his expansive playbook. So that marriage is either going to work tremendously or they're going to be a very, very bad football team. And I just don't know which one it's going to be. I, I, I don't want to plant my flag, but if you're making me choose between one of the two, I'm going to say A&M's going to have a bad year
2: i am the same way if i have to plant my flag on one i'd say under seven and a half but i think seven and a half is about where they're at just when you look at their schedule um yeah uh but i i think that that marriage yeah, between fisher and petrino has the potential to be an ab- absolute disaster I, I i don't see how they coexist i i yeah. just i don't see that um Humility has never been a term. No, and and, and on, top <laughs> the, on top of on top of things. that, on top of that, I have always been saying, even when A and M had that recruiting class, it was like the best ever recruiting class ever, and it was like, okay, cool, prove it to me, Jimbo Fisher, prove it to me, and he hasn't, and so I'm still saying, prove it to me. If you think you've got all this talent, now you're bringing. When, Patriona, when do you run
1: out of prove it to me?
2: So, I will. That's when the, the buyout of, gets to like a well, – and,
3: that, <laughs> and that's what a
2: lot of a folks are saying
3: right now. When when was the last time – well, I guess 2020, but in a regular season of college football, in a, in a season where nothing went weird, when was the last time Jimbo Fisher or Bobby Petrino had a really good offense? Because yeah. we're coming up on about a decade for Fisher. I understand the 2020 team was really good. But we're coming up on about a decade for Fisher and I, I guess the Lamar Jackson year at Louisville for Petrino. So, well, I just want to look at
2: just looking just looking at their schedule, just their away games, only their away games, at Miami, tough, gonna be tough, at Tennessee, very tough, gonna be tough, at Ole Miss, also very tough, gonna be tough, at LSU,
3: we're looking for another seven and a half over. I think Ole Miss is higher than seven and a half, which is where they are right now.
2: Uh, And then at LSU, very tough. So that's just their road games, yeah. We that, four, that's four losses. Four losses on just road games. Yeah, unless they can pull an alligate. Well, I mean they and you've you, still got Alabama. They're yeah. hosting Alabama. That's probably gonna be a L. L. Two, um,
1: two things. One, last good offense, thirty six points a game, two thousand eighteen. Uh, that okay. was a Calamon year. They went 9-4 that year. Fair. However, that was also the 74-72 LSU game.
3: Oh, my so God. So that probably added what five a, to six points in And game right they, there. they had that game, which is one of the greatest games I've ever watched, and then decided that overtime needed to change. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Disappointing.
1: Uh, also, they, they destroyed NC State in a bowl game that year, 52-13. Um, so they're outliers. So... I, I can see them winning the Miami game. Miami's still disappointing. They beat Miami last year in a slot fest, 17-9. Right. Um, mm. Miami was very disappointing last year, too. My, Miami <laughs> is not unlike AM in the ACC. Miami has been, will they, will they, nope, will they, will they, nope. nope, will they, will they, nope, just over and over again. And now they got Chris Ball year two. It's not prove-it-time for Chris Ball yet, but again, a lot of money to have such a bleh team last year. Uh, but, yeah, the other three, I, ew, I mean, maybe if a and having a great year, maybe they could surprise Ole Miss. Right. Maybe maybe momentum goes poorly. But I'm talking about maybes there. And then, of course, the home games, Alabama's just going to be a difficult period. Uh, Auburn's such an important 50-50 game, really, for both teams early in the year. That's A&M's first conference game. They will have already played Miami, so that's something. But uh, Arkansas's always a neutral. That, all, that game's always fun. That game's never a given. We know South Carolina is going to be better this year. South Carolina beat them last year, and then okay, I feel good about Mississippi State, I guess. But at that point, that's game ten. A and like four yeah, and they six. May, they may then, have checked three out by that seven. point. If AM's like three and six or four and five or something, maybe State has an opportunity there. I don't know. Um, I'm taking under two. Also, you get good play on it too. You take the over. You're minus one fifty. If you take the under, you're plus one twenty five. So uh, you make money that way. Again, I just it seems destined to fail at this point. Even though twenty twenty, it looked like oh yep, here it comes, here comes the a And M money wave. It's working, and then it's not as much. Um, Ole
3: Miss, you said you liked over seven and a half. I I do think Ole Miss goes over seven and a half, and part of it's my love affair with Lane Kiffin. I'll own up to that, but I think they're a really good team. I think bringing in the new defensive coordinator. I look, I know he wasn't great at Bama, but. Different standards. Uh, Ole Miss's defense has been really, really bad. They're bringing in this guy. Well, while he was not quite to the national championship level that you wanted Alabama, he's going to be a significant improvement for what they're doing at Ole Miss. And I think that Ole Miss. I think that any team coached by Lane Kiffin is going to put up points. I certainly agree with that. Their quarterback situation is fascinating. They got a lot of returning
1: players. Nine on offense, seven on defense. That's okay. going to be a pretty experienced team. Uh, last year, looking at the defensive totals, it was their best defensive year. Uh, Really? I, I mean, going back to beat, I mean, Hugh Freeze, early Hugh Freeze, 25 and a half points a game, which was about the same as 2021, but only 388 yards a game last year. They actually had had come and made great strides. They just were disappointing in a couple of offensive games. Like, I, I was a little underwhelmed by their Mississippi State game. I mean, they only had 22 points, a little underwhelmed. Um, in the LSU game, I know LSU put 45 on them, but Ole Miss only had 20. You know, I mean, that's not a Lane Kippen production standpoint. So looking at their schedule, okay, non con feel great about Mercer. Tulane's weird. Tulane went to a New Year's Six Bowl. I actually don't know. Uh, I don't know if I have a strong opinion on that game yet. I like Ole Miss to host Georgia Tech and beat them, and I like ULM, so that's at least three non-con wins. If they get the fourth, you look at their East games. I hate that they play Georgia for the over/under. <laughs> that does not help that. But then they also play Vandy, and they always play Vandy. So I feel good about that at, at vaught Hemingway. And then you look at okay the neutral against, or excuse me, the the home against Arkansas. I like that that's at home. I like that AM's at home. That gives them the opportunity there. And then against Mississippi State, it matters where you play them for sure, but I would I would tell you that game would be close no matter where because it's the Egg Bowl. And technically Ole Miss lost at home last year to Mississippi State. They're going to want revenge. Where will Zach Arnett be at the end of one full year there? I lean towards over there too. I, I agree. The beautiful thing about – over unders as they put them as they should at blank and a half and you have to pick one and to me eight and four feels way more doable than or it feels or feels very doable for them like I think I don't think that's their limit in other words like I would be surprised if they went below seven and five right something's going horribly wrong if they're below even seven and five but at eight and four I'm like you know they you could give me another you could give me a nine and three would not would not throw me off at all. Uh, even with with Bama and Georgia on their schedule being road games, um, the LSU game would be very difficult. At least it will be at home this year, and so I don't know. I, I think that eight and four though ish sounds right for Ole Miss. Anything else before we get to best and worst? Anyone anything else anyone wants to hit on? Nope. Good. I think we're good. Mueller. Okay, awesome. Uh, All right, so that is our look at 2023 SEC win totals. Again, we will hit on all individual programs coming up here in a couple weeks once we start to break down every single school and their outlook for the season. Starting to get in the latter moments of the show today, though. Time for best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best. And worst.
0: No! 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 Of the weekend.
1: All right, best and worst of the weekend. Let's start positive today. Let's start best. Anybody got a best? Nope, no one wants to. be uh, positive. No, no. I'll, okay, I'll say, I, um
2: <laughs> I, I the, uh, the the Lionel Messi winning game winning goal in his first game with Miami. Uh, That's a good one. With Miami. Yeah,
1: that was, was, good that was one. pretty, pretty cool. insane. That was that was nuts. JJ uh take behind baseball uh or inside baseball. Uh JJ was at that game uh with the company he works for and uh so he got to – didn't get to witness it quite because he was working at the moment, but uh, he was down there at Miami for that and uh, got a slew of videos that night and uh, script writers were working there, working overtime. <laughs> that was good stuff. I I, I was always – I know I'm in the minority here. I was always Ronaldo over Messi guy. Not from a I believe he's better standpoint, just I enjoyed him more. Okay, I'm not trying to start debates we don't need with five minutes, ten minutes left on the show. I just enjoyed Ronaldo more, uh, but I think that it's so good – for the MLS, and I want Messi to do well. I want him to have the perfect balance of good. I don't want him to be like, yeah, see how easy this is, but I want him to make an impact, create more interest in the MLS, and he's clearly already doing that. Brant, your best.
3: Yeah, uh, one more thing about Messi before sure. we get started. He did not start that game. He came off the bench. He's actually going to make his first start in MLS tomorrow as he takes on my Atlanta United, and also making his first start for for Miami will be Sergio Busquets, who was a midfielder yeah. who was really, really good at Barcelona at the same time Messi was there. so really, There's going to be some financial investigation in right, Miami at some right, point. Right, or maybe some Collusion from Major League Soccer. We'll figure it out. My best is going to be, man. I just got a weekend at home uh, after the the really long, exciting week that was SEC Media Days. Just kind of having a weekend to spend at home and just be kind of by myself. That felt good. That felt good, and I think that's awesome. worthy of a best. All right. So my
1: best involved uh, my parentals. They came down to uh, came down to Auburn this weekend. We uh, got myself moved into a different apartment and very excited about that, and just uh, my best was just being able to appreciate uh, how much that they helped me out. Uh, obviously, I could go into bigger picture of my entire 27 years of existence, but they were a, a huge help uh, this weekend, really loved uh, whenever they can get down here, and uh, everything flowed really well this weekend. Movers were great. Move. I, I had done a lot of the groundwork in the weeks prior because I'd gone ahead and um, scheduled the move in a little bit earlier or at least gotten the keys a little bit earlier in the move in so was able to do a lot of the groundwork stuff and anybody that's moved knows that there can be you, you realize you have more stuff when you move. It's just always, oh, I think I have a good bit of stuff. No, you have a lot of stuff. Oh, I don't have that much stuff. No, you have stuff. No, you have stuff indeed. So <laughs> so uh, it was good to to get that move in. Again, I'm really appreciative of my parents for coming down and helping out with that. They made things go super smooth, helped clean, just all the things. And so really appreciate them. So that was the best of the weekend, for sure, making the move much more palatable, much more
2: free-flowing. All right, worst of the weekend. Tom, what do you got for worst? uh my worst weekend I, I i guess is that what i mentioned at the outset of the show is just trying to get back in the groove of things from a week in nashville i mean you know you're you're in a hotel there's a bunch of food options a bunch of hanging out options so a lot of stuff and then a lot of work and the the environment and all that and then all of a sudden it's like mm, back to the real world <laughs> <Ugh>. yeah
1: <laughs> so. yeah i mean it's if it's you know it it Again, I've and now I know I'm I'm saying words right now. The words are coming out. Here go we for go. It. Um, Say words. Meaty days, as have told Brent before, and now he's gotten experience can before as well. Like it is, su- it, there's a lot of work to be done on the on the front of it when you're there eight, nine, ten hour days that sort of thing. But then also, it's the definition of like a work hard, play hard type of thing because also you get to experience new places. And we went to the media events and were just fed endlessly good food. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, multiple times. That's so, that's the
3: stuff that'll stick with me forever. Is the media. <laughs>
1: events. And so even though there's a segment of it, it's like, man, you worked your tail off. That was a lot of hours or a lot of interviews and that sort of thing. There's also a segment of this is almost feels like a vacation because it's out of the ordinary and you're just talking to new people and a lot of connections and then a lot of food and a lot of fun and that sort of thing. So it can feel a little bit like a return to sender, a little bit a little return to earth, that sort of thing.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. All right, worst of the weekend, yeah. My, my worst of the weekend, I'm going to return to Nashville. You talked about work hard, play hard. One of the play hard things we did was on Tuesday night, we went to a Nashville Sounds game. Playing in the in that game for the Nashville Sounds was a little center fielder that uh, we had never heard of before, but was obviously just really good. Had a really good night, uh, made a, a really good unassisted double play or an 8-3 put out for a double play. Uh, a, incredible defensive center fielder. Got on base a couple of times and we're going, man, this kid is really good and it might be, it might not be too long before we see him in the majors for the Brewers. Well, that kid's name was Sal Frelick. If you, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he personally victimized the Atlanta Braves on either Friday or Saturday, in their, uh, their game against the Brewers. So. Uh, my worst of the weekend is going to be uh, being too right about Sal Freilich and how good that kid was because it cost the Atlanta Braves a game.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, they um, – That's crazy. Y'all actually got to watch him in yeah, Nashville, yeah. and then he got called up. Yeah,
3: yeah, and, and then I he did
1: something important. Yeah. Multiple things important. I, th-
3: I think he went like three for three and had yep. two leaping catches up against the wall right. and basically won them that game. We didn't get into the
1: Braves much, you know. Couple of the bats, including like Azuna and Rosario, starting to slump, especially Azuna, and he was one of the ones I believe that had had one robbed. Yep. Uh, and then it's just like you know, when you go in a slump, and the rookie is making a great the, play on you, the twenty-three year old making his debut. Yeah, you might as well just take a day off, reset. Because, yeah. <laughs> because it's it's not going well. But he was really good. Uh, he he just looked. I don't know if everyone gets this all the time. I don't go to minor league games often, but I got this impression at the national game. It's hilarious that he, he came up. There are a couple guys usually at AAA that just kind of stand out. And yeah. they just – they look – clearly above some of the other players and he was one of them one of the others was one of the, the guys that has been playing uh tyler naquin that had played yeah in major league baseball for a long period of time because he had a couple opposite field hits and he's like you just know he what hit you're a doing homer in
3: that game didn't he oh i don't remember I, I, they there, there was he some homer we he saw might a have, couple we saw three or four he
1: might have hit a homer and then he also had like a two rbi with the bases loaded he had a two rbi single the up yeah. opposite field i was mm-hmm. like you, you just know what you're doing when you can take one opposite field with that um My worst of the weekend. Hey, guess what? For like the fourth straight time, I'm bringing up a NASCAR topic and best and worst. This time it's a negative, and it's been negative a lot. Uh, Pocono race yesterday, uh, the tricky triangle, almost two and a half miles. Uh, Fun race, a lot of entertainment, a lot of strategy, as Pocono usually has, and was really enjoying the race thoroughly until things happened. It's not the Denny Hamlin moment. If you're, if you did not watch the race, there was a moment about nine or ten laps ago. Denny Hamlin ran Kyle Larson out of the groove, uh, caused him to hit the wall. Hamlin. Uh, not remorseful as, as always. Uh, thinks he was 100 percent in the right. That's fine. Whatever. I really was not that mad at that. I, you know, take some responsibility and say, yeah, you know, I moved him out of the way instead of oh, we didn't make contact, even though there's video evidence to show you indeed made contact and indeed ran him out of the racing group. Whatever. Uh, that's fine. the The thing that really irked me, and this one was on NASCAR race control, is. They were coming to the white flag lap, and they were in the final turn. There's, again, only three turn- turns. It is a triangle, after all. And in turn three, someone spun uh, coming out of the short shoot, getting into turn three. And usually a spin dictates a caution. But NASCAR this bigger track at Pocono, I'm going to give you their point of view, was allowing more time for people that spun to see if they could get it going because it's a two and a half mile track, 50 second lap times, give you 10 or 15 seconds to try and figure it out and get going the, the correct direction again. So they did that. Well, there was a big problem with that when Ryan Priest, who we actually were fortunate enough to have the, on the show a couple weeks ago, it was Ryan Priest that spun. I think it was Ryan Priest that spun. I know he spun at one point in the race, so let me put it that way, because he was mad after the race at De Joy. Anyway, he could not get it fired again. Well, 20 seconds later, as the leaders are going down the back straightaway, they had to throw the caution. And look, Denny Hamlin was going to win. It's not like there was a... If they had restarted, maybe not. But you should not necessarily be officiating it differently. And I definitely don't think... I think you've you've got to, at any cost, when you're a NASCAR, try to finish the race under a green flag condition. And if you cannot do that then that is a big disappointment to the fans. The fans were booing relentlessly. I think they were booing Hamlin as much as anything, but I think they are also booing the finish of the race. It is your goal, it should be your goal in NASCAR, to finish the race under a green flag. And, of course, their rule is once you take the white flag, the next flag ends the race. That's a fair rule to have. But when there's a spin just before the white flag, don't. Bet, don't take a bet. I know we talked about betting ironically today. Don't take a bet that he's going to get it going again. Don't. Why would you take that bet? Throw the caution. Let them have another chance to finish it under green. And so I know some opinion may differ on that, but there's nothing I like less in NASCAR than finishing a race under caution. That's just not the spirit of racing. I mean, the spirit of racing is not all right. Well, let's go 50 miles per hour around the track to finish this one out. Uh, so I understand you say, well, you know, what would have Hamlin deserved to win and blah blah blah. Well, okay, he also you know made his car bigger than it was to, to get there in the first place. Maybe someone should have the opportunity to to do that to him. I'm just saying because he wouldn't have he wouldn't have passed Larson otherwise. So I just hated NASCAR race control made that decision. I will never be a huge fan of races entering under caution and after the weeks of rain we had it was very disappointing to see that play out that way and and to not get a green flag finish at a track that was actually sold out and had the best attendance it's had in years there so it was otherwise a great weekend but just had a rough finish uh to close it out all right we're down to just 30 or 40 seconds left we will not uh, play the nightly tv guide uh music as we only have a few seconds left but we will go ahead and let you know of a couple of things to watch. I'm actually going to direct you also in a different way for national. Uh, uh, I can do this since Brooks left today, and he won't <laughs> ever know. For nightly TV, I'd go to the movie theater. How's that mm. one sound? There's mm. great movies out there right now. Mm. Oppenheimer, Barbie opened like a hundred and fifty million, which is a ton of money. Do a double feature. Uh, Oppenheimer, exactly. Oppenheimer made like eighty in opening weekend. Mission Possible Seven, still a great movie. Tom Cruise is still running. He just jumped onto something else. Was it a moving plane? Maybe. It doesn't matter. Still jumping and running. Go watch that. Go watch these movies. So there's the nightly TV guide. Go to the movie theater tonight. Enjoy one of these great movies. That will do it for the show today. Brant, thank you for being here. We'll see you again later this week. Thank you for having me. Tom, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again tomorrow. I'll be here. And, again, thanks to our board op, TP Hammock, for running the board and taking your phone calls today. Again, we'll we'll be back with more win totals tomorrow. We'll do Pac-12 win totals on the show tomorrow. For TP Hammock, Grant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan Malloy. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great Monday night, we'll talk to you again tomorrow.